You're not you're not painted like Danhausen, are you? <laughs> that would be very uh, that would be very rich, very evil. That would be uh, pretty dope if like yeah. for just for for absolutely no reason you like you took the day off work. Yeah. To paint yourself as Danhausen for this audio podcast that we do. Yeah, I've been home for 40 minutes. Well, this is still a visual uh this is a visual joke that any of the potential listeners are not going to get but uh you know what you know, by the way you know what dan Housen's <laughs> doing great is the uh the one of the most br- my brilliant well he's doing everything great but my the most brilliant thing in my opinion is the circus music that he plays and all the videos that he makes yeah he's i he seems to have gotten uh completely it completely nailed with the character that he's doing oh yeah so. yeah it's, it's had time to develop but uh all right, so Dusty has a visual surprise for me. Uh, yeah. He is not showing me his video right now. He has he came in with his video off. Um, he's very excited. I'm very excited. Are you ready to un- unveil the surprise, yeah. Dusty? Um, well, I have to say I refrained from posting on social media about this for three days so that I could do this joke right now. Really? Yeah. Um, okay. Because to anyone that's listening, uh, Christmas was on saturday it's two days ago from and oh boy did i get a christmas gift that i need to share with andrew now so i'm going to start my video this is live reaction oh i have an idea hold on i have i have a guess but let let me see if i'm right all right oh (laughs) dude i almost i thought i literally thought about buying you that already (laughs) who got you that my friend matt got me bret hart autographed sunglasses they are that he would wear to the ring yeah they are the exact bret hart autographed glasses they are autographed on the left eye lopez and they're amazing yeah hey guess what pal huh got two pairs oh shit (laughs) there's the classic pink pair that i'm currently wearing Uh uh-huh uh, and then there is a silver pair as that's, well. That's from heel Bret Hart days. That's fucking double dope, bro. Uh, and if we zoom out, also wearing. Oh, the Bengals starter jacket. Just, the, the just I'm unstoppable, dude. Just drip on drip on drip. The drippiest Dusty that's ever dripped. Uh, I, I Dusty inexplicably is a fan of, of the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> not inexplicably i have i have my reasons it's it's stupid did your your long lost father was he a Bengals fan (laughs) yeah he he was the tight end from 82 86 (laughs) he he told me he's been the tight end from 1984 to now that's why you can't ever see me oh that is Uh, true he's in the concussion protocol (laughs) (laughs) um no i when i was a kid i didn't like football when i was like six or seven um, but they used to have the little coin, like for a quarter, you could put it, uh, you could get one of the little helmets oh, with yeah. the stickers and then you, you put the decal on it. And I remember looking at all of the team helmets and I was like, well, the Bengals have the dopest helmet. The Bengals have the dopest helmet. Yeah. They have a pretty dope helmet. I'm and trying I was to think like, if I would put a helmet over theirs, but I'm not, it's just subjective. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, not the old school, original ghetto one where they just stenciled bangles yeah. on, on old brown's helmets with spray paint <laughs> yeah because paul brown's a cheapskate but whenever they redesigned with the bangle like tiger stripes yeah 
that's a cool design. That is a pretty sweet and helmet. As a as a kid, I was like, oh, this must be the best team. They have the best helmet. And it pops so. like a motherfucker. It really does. So <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, I'm that <laughs> you can see me from space in this jacket, dude. Uh it's so orange. It's a but. sick jacket. That was from your girlfriend, right? Fiance. No, this is from my friend's mom. Oh so. yeah, I forgot. God damn. I need to yeah. start being nicer to everybody. <laughs> So uh, I got the Bret Hart glasses and the starter jacket and uh, I, I went to deliver a present to a buddy of mine and I just, stood, I just stood in the street with the jacket and the glasses on <laughs> and waited for him to come out of his house. Hell yeah. Is your friend was, a wrestling fan? So did he know there were the Bret Hart glasses? He's aware. He's okay. not an active wrestling fan, but he's yeah. aware of uh, you couldn't miss Bret Hart sunglasses in the 90s. That is so. true. That is true. Uh, also, it's a redemption story because the first wrestling show I ever went to live, a uh, house show in Fresno, California, I bought the Bret Hart glasses mm-hmm. because the, that was the piece of merch I wanted. And they said that they were scratch resistant and like shatter resistant. Oh, they got this. fucked up easy. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> put it in my put it in my backpack to show all my friends how cool I was. And it got smashed by like my actual books from fifth grade. Social studies textbook took out the Bret Hart glasses. So now I've got them back, you know. And uh, you, you know better. And I know better. And these are autographed by the man himself. I so. thought you were going to be holding a kitty cat, but <laughs> no, this might even be better. Uh, I And I was going to post about it. And I was like, no, I shouldn't tell Andrew. No. At all, was, and I should wait till the podcast and then reveal it on the podcast. That was perfect. And yeah. uh, if you can uh, get a nice little picture for us in the in the in the glasses and or starter jacket, yeah. Uh, oh, it's got to be the combo because I can't get a Bret Hart jacket. So this is the puffiest jacket. Yeah, it's good. It's doing the work. You know. You know what's funny is today I was looking up Bret Hart Halloween costumes. <laughs> uh, because that would be dope, but I don't think I have the shoulders for the for the singlet. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say for the Sergeant Pepper jacket. Oh no, the Sergeant Pepper jacket makes your shoulders for you. You right. know what I mean? So uh, I'm trying to find one with a jacket, but they got the tights. They got uh, I I I, I got to get that with the glasses. Uh, yeah. Probably our next live stream, we have to at least start both wearing a pair of the Bret Hart glasses. I'm going to need you to bring both pairs. Yeah, you'll have to <laughs> remind me, but yeah, that'll definitely <laughs> go down. Um, uh, shit. I got that was cool. What Thank else you, you get? Um, I like some gift cards and a couple of other things. I got Let It Be on vinyl from uh, Sarah's oh, parents, that's which was cool. It's cool. great album. Uh, you, watch, you watch the Beatles get back, you get to watch them write all them songs. I am on chapter two. It's long. They're it is just long. Like, it's real long. And real long. I need I have to take breaks because like uh, Paul McCartney, obviously one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Yeah. His uh, unbounding energy. Yeah. Is <laughs> it wears on me. Well, the, and like it's I imagine it weared on John and George. <laughs> yeah. You can just see it in the video. Well, the problem is John and George had like a foot out the door and Paul was just like, hey, guys we're the fucking Beatles. Like we need to make more music. And they're like, I don't know. And then they're, and then he's like, no, serious. Hey, fuck face. You're John Lennon. Yeah. You're in the Beatles. Nobody wants to hear your wife scream into a microphone. 
I, I feel like having your wife <laughs> scream into the microphone. I feel like this has been a good for people that aren't like way into it. I feel like this has been a good reprieve for Yoko because like Yoko, like all things, there, there's not one thing that broke the Beatles up. It's a conflation of like, or it's a, you know, it's a coming together of many, many things, yeah. of many factors. Um, but I thought the, the thing, the part, the thing that stands out to me in part one is where they're talking about, you know, Brian Epstein or yeah, Brian Epstein, yeah. Brian Epstein, Epstein, I think it might Epstein. be Epstein, but Frank Frankenstein. Uh, he uh he died and then paul is like i don't want to be the bad guy i feel like i'm yeah i'm the guy who has to like i'm the manager and i'm the one who has to like keep everybody on task and i'm i feel like i'm being an asshole all the time but that you guys are making me be an asshole all the time because you won't just write the songs (laughs) and rehearse and it's like it's also as musicians ourselves, it was like revelatory to me to see like, even though the Beatles are the biggest band in the world and in history, they just write songs the way that like me and my friends write our dumb songs where Mm -hmm. you just like sit around and it's like, well, maybe we do this for a little while. And then like, I don't know, maybe you, you start doing this other thing. Yeah. They don't stand on a mountaintop with tablets. You know what I mean? Like they, (laughs) (laughs) right. No, but it's, it's weird because you put it up there to that degree, or at least I do where I'm like, they're the Beatles. So like, there's gotta be some secret sauce. There is secret sauce. They're so talented, but there's gotta be some other way that they do it. And it's just like, no, I don't know. Like I was thinking of like messing around with this thing. And then suddenly it's get back. You're like, Oh, all right. Well, no, they're just better than me. That's the thing. It's like, you just had a better idea from the start. So George comes in and he's like, uh, I wrote this song in the hotel. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's I me mine. And it's like, Really in the hotel? Yeah, and it's <laughs> so just... like, and then uh, John plays across the universe for them, and then like, uh, uh, they they just start fiddling with get back out of nowhere, and then you just yeah. hear there's a conversation with Don, John talking about the venue, and in the background you just hear Paul McCartney just playing "Let It Be," <laughs> like from figuring yeah. it out, and like he's uh, like, well, should it go there? No, it shouldn't go there. What's the place it should go? Oh, there it is. And then you're like, oh, the most famous song in the world. Yeah. <laughs> just... The the funny thing about like uh it was get back when they're working on the lyrics i don't know if you've gotten there yet there's a part where they work on the lyrics to get back and they can't figure out um jojo left his home in tucson arizona for some california grass that line they just keep tinkering with and trying to find it and in your head you're like hey fucking idiot it goes like this and you're like oh wait this is them coming up with this (laughs) with it going like this well Uh, and it's like it's weird that it starts as like a protest song and then you don't i you don't see the moment where they were like that's a bad idea let's scrap that idea and then it's just i think we talked about it before it's just incredible like you see paul just singing basic nonsense he's just singing the melody but he's got like jojo was a and then all and you're like just oh so he's just doing that and then next thing you know it's a fucking banger song they write the let it be album and they literally like they apparently they finish the album they do the uh concert on the roof and then they just walk away from all the music and they give it to the arranger and the like the guys in the studio. And they're like, do whatever the fuck you want with this. We don't care about any of these greatest songs ever written. Uh, 
just do what you want. So like and then they came back and made Abbey Road, which was phenomenal. And then Let It Be got released. So this was this album was just an afterthought. Yeah. And it has all of these just bangers on it. Like it's it's all killer. No filler. Yeah. I didn't realize like Dig a Pony and uh, those songs are also on Let It Be. I was looking at the track list because of the vinyl Mm -hmm. that I got. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. How was your Christmas, man? It's good. I went and saw my sister. Uh, I I spent a lot of it at the radio station, making sure it doesn't flood. <laughs> those those listening, the radio station flooded like two months ago, and uh, did like seventy five thousand dollars worth of damage to the building. Uh, but uh, well, I heard it, if it keeps on raining, the levee's gonna break, dude. I don't know. Yeah, that could be true. Yeah, that could be true. I have heard tell of a levee breaking. Yeah. Um, you got to go back home to Chicago when that, that levee breaks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that was gnarly. This was Christmas, you know, two days before Christmas and then Christmas Eve. I was just on like I kept calling my sister in the town where the station is because she lives there. Going, right. Is it raining now? Is it raining now? How about now? Did it rain today? You think it's going to rain enough to flood the radio station <laughs> you've never been to? Hey, is it raining? Because she was she was going to go check it out for me. But then right. so it didn't end up raining. And then uh, Saturday was Christmas. We went over there and she got me like a bunch of like comfy clothes, like a, like oh, a oh. dank ass hoodie and some sweatpants and nice comfy socks because I'm old and it was amazing. And then a really sweet ass candle that uh, I, I I enjoy a lot. I wish I remembered what what the actual flavors are. Flavors. Yeah, I eat the candle. <laughs> I that's a you eat the candle, then you swallow the match, and then. <laughs> You're and then they own. have a party together. Yeah, then you're your own incense. Dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should smell my burps, dog. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so yeah, we did that and watched some football, and then yeah, is is a relaxing little Christmas. And my dad's girlfriend got me some presents, and she also got my cat a couple presents, which was very sweet of her. Oh he, he appreciates. Yeah. Well, you gotta you gotta bend the knee to the real ruler of the house. Oh know? yeah. Yeah, you have to kiss. You have to kiss the scepter. He, yeah. Uh, we had prime rib on Christmas Eve, Ooh. and he got some prime rib. I never feed right. him human food, but he's been a good boy all year. Yeah. He's been terrible, but yeah, I, I love him, so I call him a good boy. Yeah. And so he got some prime rib, and he kept just kept on begging for more prime rib. <laughs> now you've introduced a problem. Boy, he uh, wanted some more prime rib. <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna. I am. I am a rock when it comes to my cat annoying me. Like if he he wakes me up at five in the morning and he'll sit by my face and just meow, wanting to wanting some food, and he'll just look at me and meow and meow and meow, and then he'll slowly just put a paw on my face, (laughs) like on right above my eye or like on my cheek, and he he just like very softly rests his foot on my face and then keeps meowing. And then I'll wake up and he'll have his hand in the air, like ready to smack me on the forehead. And then, then I just throw him out into the hallway and shut my fucking door. Like, bro, I call the shots here. Yeah. You know, he's huge. He's, he's a 22 pound cat or something like that. He's bigger than he's a dog basically, but I weigh quite a bit more than that. I don't weigh a lot for a human being, but I weigh quite a bit more than that. I will yeah. punt him so far, Dusty. Yeah. So 
And and he needs to know that. I won't do it, but he needs to know I can do it, you know? Right. So um, some intim- intimidation tactics have to take place. Right. But, yeah, he, when he begs for stuff, I just don't give it to him. Yeah. Doesn't stop That's him the- from begging, but... <laughs> It's like the the Simpsons episode where the where Bart raises the lizards that kill uh that that kill pigeons because uh, he they actually oh, yeah. kill the pigeons mom and then they're like well how do we get rid of the pigeon or how do we get rid of the they're like well the lizards are good because they kill the pigeons they're like yeah but then, aren't we going to be overrun by lizards and they're like no because we're going to get the needle snakes to kill the <laughs> lizards and they're like but then won't we just have a whole bunch of lizards. <laughs> Or a whole bunch of snakes, and they're like, no, because we've got a bunch of bears that are trained to eat the snakes, and then they'll just go into hibernation. Like it's all just yeah, punting it further down the line. Like you need something to kill the next one. And yeah, uh, my cat and I are you- in a constant battle as to who is the apex predator in the house because he's made me bleed maybe right. five hundred times. I've never once made him bleed because I love him. You know yeah. what I mean? But I think it's like. You know how MMA fighters sometimes, not always, sometimes are less likely to get in fights in public because they have the confidence. They know that they're going to be fine. But right. if you don't know how to fight, sometimes you get more aggressive because you want to win with crazy rather winning with skill. You know, yep. that's kind of how it is. Like, I know I can whoop my cat's ass if I flip if I flip that switch. You know what I mean? Sure. He feels like sometimes he needs to, you know, go after it. And maybe yeah. to snatch up that apex predator status, but it doesn't work, man. I'm okay right. with bleeding. Right. You know, uh, you, unlike Jesse, the body Ventura, you do in fact have time to bleed that line, man. That's from predator. Huh? <laughs> yeah. He's pretty good in that movie. He is pretty good in that movie. You're bleeding. I ain't got time to bleed. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's why I've got him in, uh, the Idell Wrestling Federation. Who said pain don't hurt? What's pain that? don't hurt is uh that is Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse. <laughs> See, that's a bad line. <laughs> yeah. Uh he's also got nobody wins in a fight. Uh that's fine. That's yeah. that's some fucking Bob Saget in uh in yeah, uh, full house. Full house Miller Boyette piano music playing in the background. Nobody yeah. wins in a fight, Stephanie. <laughs> right. No, it's that's not true. Patrick. Somebody, somebody wins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen Anderson the Spider Silva kicking Vitor Belfort in the face? Yeah. I was. Did, did Spider to, also lose that fight? I was trying to explain to Sarah because uh, we watch Ultimate Beastmaster on Netflix, which is like uh, a American listen, Ninja. I'm just understanding how you, you like. You found her. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You found your your soulmate. <laughs> it was her idea to start watching it. Yeah. It's like American Ninja Warrior, mm-hmm. but it's on Netflix so we can watch it. Uh, but the uh, they have commentators from all over the world. And they have CM Punk's on there and Bad News Barrett's on there. And then they have Anderson Silva. And I was trying to explain to her because it's like competitors from all around the world. So he's a part of the Brazilian team. Is he speaking English? a little bit but he speaks really bad english (laughs) it's mostly punk and uh tiki barber for some reason is the co-host just a handsome fella that tiki barber they're uh they're doing most of the heavy lifting in that area but it'll cut to anderson silva and she's like who's that guy and i was like oh he's a ufc legend like and then i just told her 
she doesn't like MMA, but I was like, he once had a fight where he landed a hundred percent of the strikes that he threw. <laughs> like, Chris Lieben had nothing. Poor, <laughs> nothing poor Chris Lieben. The guys yeah. who fought Anderson Silva early in his career in the UFC where they didn't know who he was only this is back in the day when Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan actually did homework as a commentator. Like now yeah. Joe Rogan's MMA knowledge, like he still calls himself an MMA enthusiast enthusiast his mma knowledge like froze in like 2016 i yeah. i think he, he either hit capacity <laughs> or he just stopped watching mma so like a lot of the things like he will say things on the ufc broadcast that are just plain factually incorrect now <laughs> he just says it but back in the day when anderson silva first came into the ufc and he fought chris lieben and rich franklin and all those guys Rogan was the guy who knew who he was and everybody's like, Oh dude, this guy's not going to be able to fuck up rich Franklin. <laughs> and right. Rogan's like, Oh yeah, he is. <laughs> it's like, uh, you can just, it's one of the funniest things in sports where you can like the first time somebody saw how fast Michael Vick was or something where you oh, like, yeah. we're like, they go, uh, well, they don't even get through the whole fight. Like Chris Lieben, you could tell in the middle of round one, it's like, what? Who is this? Per- what is this person? Because he yeah. he's got nothing. It's and, like when it's like before he was broken. When people would fight Conor McGregor, like yeah. the first shot Conor landed, if you survived, the look on the person's face would be like, yeah. "Oh no, <laughs> this well, guy is I, who he said he was." In the I watched a, uh, I think I had the 100 greatest UFC fights DVD or something, right? Which was pretty cool before yeah. UFC 100 uh, happened. And they were talking to Rich Franklin about fighting Anderson Silva the first time. And Rich Franklin's like, yeah, you know, I knew that he was good, but it was mostly, I was like, oh, he just does Muay Thai. So I'll just train Muay Thai clinch and he, and he won't be able to get me in it. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah. And you just see him like whenever Anderson Silva hits that knee, that rearranges rich Franklin's face. Yeah. You just see the, the baffled look on his, like he can't get out of the, the clinch. And, and you can see in his, uh, in his head, he's like, he just has me by the back of my neck. How do I get, how can I not get out of this? (laughs) Yeah. It's the simplest yet most devastating thing I've ever encountered. Yeah. How's he so strong? Well, it's the same thing with uh, DC Daniel Cormier after John Jones beat him the first time. He's like all devastated and his post fight interview. And they're like, well, what surprised you about John? He's like, he's just so strong, man. Like he's just way stronger than I thought he was going to be because he's skinny, but he's like long. You know what I mean? Isn't but, that what Chell Sonnen said too? Yeah. He's like, he is really strong. Yeah. Sonnen was like, I really thought I could beat him. <laughs> <laughs> just you, Chael. You were yeah. the only, you were the only one. Hey, uh, Tentative props to Chael Sonnen, who apparently beat the shit out of like five guys who are disrespecting his wife and like being really like dickheads to his wife this week. Yeah, like I don't, I don't like Chael Sonnen, the the character. I uh, if those guys don't know who Chael Sonnen is, I guess they wouldn't know. I would never fuck with Chael Sonnen. You you don't like Chael Sonnen's character? I fucking love it, bro. He goes, he's like, he's like, I've, (laughs) he goes, I've. He, he loses a fight. I mean, he wins a fight in New York, in New York uh, and he's about to fight Fedor, Millian, Fedor and he's going to call out Fedor. And he's like, I beat up people all the way across the land. 
Tito Ortiz and made him tap in the first round. He lost to Tito Ortiz, but he tells everybody he submitted him. He's like, I beat everybody they put in front of me. But all I can say right now is, God damn, do I hate New York. <laughs> okay, so Look let me <laughs> let, let me amend. Let me amend my statement. I enjoy his pro wrestling persona until he starts to pretend that he's never lost. I understand why he does it. I think it's hilarious, <laughs> but I hate it because it's not wrestling. It's a real sport. Yeah. And so it's like, <laughs> I get why he does it. And I know that he's doing it on purpose, but I hate it. The promo and, for his podcast called him undefeated. I know the, you're the best champs. Ever. <laughs> I, I hate that uh, in the same way that like, uh, not in the exact same way, but I don't like that Shell Sonnen's always like he'll talk all that shit, and then after the fight, he's very like, "Oh, you know, I just gave it my best shot." Blah, blah, yeah. blah. I don't like, uh, I don't like those kind of wrestling tactics in real sports. It would be like if Tom Brady was just like, "I never lost to Eli Manning." I, was like, I, I like it, man. Humble and defeat. Humble and defeat. You got to be humble and defeat, or people are gonna hate you. It gets tired. So no, like, just be just be humble anyway. He told. He told <laughs> no. It's no, why? It's so much better when you're not humble. It's so much funnier when you're not humble. Like in in wrestling and in entertainment, yes. But like I just I I couldn't I couldn't get into it. It's I I, I like it because like it raises the stakes. I think the reason that Conor McGregor really captured the imagination of everybody and took over the world is because he put so much pressure on himself by just how not humble he was and how right. cocky he was but then he won all those fights yeah but when he so, loses he's still hum- he's humble in defeat right except but for he, except for the last one when he told yeah. fucking dustin but Poirier he was that on he was a gonna st- kill his family in their sleep but he was on a string of victories yeah whenever he did that chael mm-hmm. sonnen <laughs> never won a belt he never won the belt and he would just <laughs> so like i could anderson I could, silva you absolutely suck he's yeah. <laughs> If you guys, if anybody out there is super bored or not, even if you're just looking for something to watch, look up just Chael Sonnen, either post fight, Chael Sonnen promo, look up Chael Sonnen promos. They're fucking, he's like, I'll, I'll, when he's talking about Anderson Silva's wife, he's like, I'll slap her on the ass. If she doesn't make me a steak, medium rare, the way I like it. (laughs) Um, But if you do what Andrew has requested, which I do recommend, he's a good pro wrestling heel character. Also, do me a favor and look up the second Anderson Silva fight where he whiffs on a spinning back fist that he had no fucking business trying to yeah, throw. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. And he lands against the cage and he knows he's fucked. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Anderson, Anderson Silva's just standing there, like standing there looking at him going, okay, how am I about to fuck this guy up? Because <laughs> yeah. I know I'm how, about to fuck this guy up, but how am I going to make it look cool? Yeah. How am I going to literally kill this man? And <laughs> Anderson Silva throws one of the filthiest bodied knees he knees a time. seated man in the chest because you're not allowed to knee him in the face. And he yeah. knees him in the chest and just Chael's soul just leaves his body. And this I, is after the first fight with Anderson Silva when Anderson Silva is completely unbeatable. He was on a more than 10 fight win streak at the time. I, I don't know what the actual streak was, so we'll say more than 10. And Sonnen took him down and beat the shit out of him for four and a half rounds. And then Silva flips up a triangle and and submits him in the last round. Well, he, he like, he pretzled his ass. He had him in the triangle and then he got him in an arm bar. And then he had his leg like Sonnen was completely immobilized. And Sonnen would have won that fight. Kudos to Chael Sonnen 
in that fight for giving Anderson Silva the biggest run for his money that he had at that time. I wasn't watching the pay-per-views then, yeah. but I was looking at the results and each round the result would be posted and I would be like, what is happening? Yeah, <laughs> nobody except Chelsea and thought that Chelsea could beat Anderson Silva. And I can't remember yeah. what he said. He said that he was, he was, uh, filled up with more juice than a treetop box or something like that at the time. Cause another <laughs> thing about Chelsea Sonnen is that he, he, he took steroids unrepentantly. It got, caught, it got caught multiple times. And his response, he's the only athlete I know of that just always talks about it. He calls himself the CEO of EPO. And like <laughs> he always like, he is so like, he just completely owns the fact that he, that he took steroids and that he, uh, he, he, he the only thing he doesn't own is that he ever lost a fight. Yeah, that's you anyway. know what you brought you brought me around. And uh, the other did I the, a little bit. The other thing is he stole my idea for a podcast name. If I was a famous man and oh. I was putting on a podcast, I would have called it "You're Welcome," and that's his podcast <laughs> name. You're welcome, Michelle Sutton. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, let's let's get underway. Let's get that theme song going. And then, uh, <laughs> welcome to Snark Marks, everybody. We are a wrestling retrospective podcast out of the Central Valley of California. I am your uh, one of your hosts, Andrew Idell. I'm a failed stand-up comedian who might know a little bit about wrestling now, but I started knowing absolutely nothing. I still probably know less than you people. Um, and this is my trusty uh, other co-host, other host. I, we don't, we haven't figured out the title situation here. I guess we're co-hosts. Uh, this is Dusty. He's hey, a, hey. He's a he is a wrestling encyclopedia, he's the encyclopedia Booty Manica, as we have dubbed him. Uh, he's the Schwab. He knows everything. He's the Rain Man of wrestling. Uh, I'd use that as a term of endearment. And he, we have a podcast where we go back in time and we talk about wrestling stuff like uh, long form and short form and a bunch of different things. Uh, go back and listen to our intro podcast. It talks about our, how we met and how we know each other and what we know about wrestling. Well, I guess what Dusty knows about wrestling. Uh, watch. We did season one, which was a retrospective on 97 season two, which was the best and worst of Vince Russo. We drafted fucking great wrestling organizations a couple episodes ago. If you guys want to check that out. And we, we both booked a pay-per-view, which is this one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. And, um, this topic that we're doing now, this is part three, the final installment of Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Um, part one was a retrospective on six of Bret Hart's matches, not including 1997, because we've already looked at those on previous uh, seasons. The next one was Shawn the Heartbreak Kid Michaels. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit of indigestion, a little uh, unplanned indigestion. Uh, the last, next one was Shawn the Heartbreak Kid uh, Michaels. We watched six of his matches that didn't involve 1997. Um, and we, we talked about those and now we are going to break down three matches in which Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels wrestled each other face to face, 
face to face HBK versus the excellence of execution. It went down at least thrice. I know it went down more than that, but these are three matches that Dusty chose. We're going to talk about these matches. We're going to talk about the. We're going to compare and contrast their styles and maybe have a personal verdict, each of us, as to which guy we prefer in ring or overall. Yeah, I think so. And I think these are basically the Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels matches, aside from uh, Montreal 97, which we covered previously. Um, <laughs> and again, if I, if I never have to see or talk about the Montreal screw job ever again, I'll be... Uh, very happy mm-hmm. but uh otherwise there are a couple of house show matches that aren't on uh that aren't easily accessible and a couple of rockers versus heart foundation matches but none of them are particularly great so i thought uh we can get That's into Janetti's fault <clears throat> yeah it's Janetti and nyhart's fault uh the Janetti of the heart foundation so and i figured at some point we could get into a rocker's retrospective or do some uh heart foundation matches that are highly touted but it just seemed like to watch an eight minute rockers heart foundation match wasn't really going to serve the purpose of the podcast so we've got three matches between brett and sean uh at various points in their career two in 1992 and then one the big one iron man match from wrestlemania 12 main event uh from 1996 Yes, so we are doing Survivor Series 1992. We are doing, and that is for the WWF Championship. Yep. We are doing a ladder match from 1992, the first ladder match in WWF history. Yep. That is for the Intercontinental Championship. Yes, so the ladder match is in July 92. The Survivor Series match is in November 92. Oh, okay. I watched them out of order. Um, And then we are doing WrestleMania 12, one hour Iron Man match for the WWF championship, right? Yep. The whole shebang of bang. God damn. Oh. Yep. Um, so we went over the Brett matches. We went over the Sean matches. We talked about their contrast in styles. And I think that contrast in styles is evident in these matches. So we'll start with Survivor Series 1992. Um one thing, and I, I want to see, well, no, no, no. We'll, we'll start with the ladder match since we'll go chronologically. Okay. Um, the ladder, the ladder match I liked, a, I mean, it's obviously very good. Um, yeah. It was one of the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways I took from it was it was very clear their contrasting styles in taking bumps. Brett wasn't going to take these crazy fucking uh, reckless, stupid bumps. You know what yeah. I mean? So Sean, Sean crotched off the ladder that led to our finish. But other than that, Sean wasn't even taking insane bumps in this, was he? No. I, so the, the story of this goes that Bret Hart brought the concept of the ladder match to Vince McMahon and said, I, thought, I think that I can have a really great match with Shawn Michaels uh, in a ladder match. And as we discussed previously in our SummerSlam 92 review, if they were going to do the event in England where they eventually did it, they were going to do Brett versus the bulldog, but there was also an idea if they couldn't get it to work in England, they were going to do it in Washington DC and have Brett versus Sean in a ladder match. So this is July 21st, 1992, which is about a month before SummerSlam. So Vince had told Brett, like, 
I like the idea, but I need to see the concept in action to see how it would work. Mm-hmm. So this is a cold match that's not really supposed to be for consumption. Like they filmed it, but it's not. And so Brett's always been upset that they, which is going to be a ongoing theme, uh, that they filmed this match and put it out because he wasn't really going as hard as he could go. So I think that's partially it too. Neither one of these guys wants to get hurt for what is essentially a test match. Oh, so is this like a house show? Yeah, but they filmed it for TV and then they put, and then they eventually showed it. Oh, like, okay. Uh, See, the way that I understood the story, I misunderstood the story at first. Um, I thought this match was done to an empty arena. Oh, I, see I thought saying. they had done like, I don't even know the legit, how this would have worked. Like maybe before they let the crowd in for a show or something like right. that. I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I had heard, I knew this story. I think I've heard you tell it. I think I've heard Cornette tell it before. I think I've heard um, it's mentioned quite often because it's a pretty famous idea because there are different ramifications to this. Like we talked about last week with the Sean versus uh, Razor Ramon matches where Brett was like, yeah, but don't do this without me. Like, you know what I mean? And uh, so uh, I've heard about it before, but I always assumed that it was in an empty arena with just like kind of Vince in the crowd. Kind of like I, I saw it as like, you know how you can watch people's SNL auditions. Yeah. So you're thinking of it as like a literal practice. Match. Yeah. Yeah. So. And so I was so excited when you listed this. because I was like, there is footage of this. Oh, uh, I wanted to see what it would be like with these guys yeah. just like going through the motions of a match, you know? Uh, this makes much more sense. I had to, I just had a weird idea in my mind, but um, yeah, I mean, it's still good. It's still Sean and Brett. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and it's like this, this p- took place probably during what used to be, they used to do these marathon TV tapings, like five, six hours of TV tapings for syndication. So like, you don't know how hot the crowd's going to be. They've been, they might've already seen two or three Bret Hart matches because they just filmed in bulk for these shows. Um, and so you can see the ring apron. I think it's the ring apron. No, one of the other signs says primetime wrestling. That was what used to be in the Monday night raw spot on USA on Monday. And then they had the wrestling challenge uh, banner hanging up as well, which used to be a Sunday syndicated show. And that's where this match eventually aired was on that uh, was on that show. So it's sort of lost and it's buried and it would be it, like, I didn't see it until one of the DVD compilations that WWE eventually put out where it was like a big selling point. But that is why I think there's not as many crazy bumps or they're not re- like, it doesn't really get super heated. It's still good, but it's mostly like they are running each other into the ladders or into the ladder. That's most of the bumps in this match is like Sean whips Brett into the ladder and he takes a shoulder into it, you know? Yeah. And that's actually one of the, I didn't take a whole lot of notes for this match. I, I, that's one of my notes is Brett. Brett's really good at running into things. (laughs) Yeah. Like he does that very well. I think, is it, I think it's the survivor series match where Sean throws. Yeah. Sean throws Brett towards the corner and uh brett just runs his chest into the top yeah i guess the turnbuckle you know what i mean 
Um, he's really, really, really good at that. And I just think he's so good at his mannerisms, the look on his face, telling the story. He just he makes you believe that he's exhausted. So it feels like he's doing something dangerous or something risky or he's, you know, going to the depths of his soul to reach for something. And that's how he basically communicates his agony to the crowd. Whereas Sean, he creates his agony to the crowd by falling from 50 feet. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't, I'm not saying one of those is better than the other. I personally have a preference, but I do see the appeal of both, you know? Yeah. Or Sean, instead of like in this ladder match, the one really good, uh, there's a couple of really good bumps, but the one really good spot is where Brett grabs Sean in a slingshot and slingshots him into the ladder. And Michaels just flies face first in this ladder and takes a bump backwards off of it. Mm-hmm. And instead of just taking a normal back bump, he hits the mat and then flips over onto his face. Like that's the Shawn Michaels thing. Is there where, where just a normal back bump would do. He's doing that little bit extra just because it, it helps put the match over more for him. Yeah. What's the one he does do that. He's very good at that. And I yeah. appreciate the hell out of that. Cause that's like, What's the one it's it's like how uh, the rock took stunners. Basically, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. The I can't remember what match it happened in where. Uh, Sean is in. No, uh, the Hitman's in the corner. Sean's running at him. Brett leans down and just flips Sean Michaels over his yeah. head. And Michaels goes flying and bumps on the on the padding outside the ring. And he does that same thing. Like he lands on his back, but he also flips up to where he's like yeah. vertical and pauses for a second. And then he falls over. Yeah. That's um, in the I, Iron Man match. It's the Iron Man match. I, yeah. I thought, I thought that was probably the one it was in, but uh, it, that's just, it, he's so good at stuff like that. And yeah. I, I, I think that's awesome. Um, so and in, uh, in, in this ladder match, he, he did more of that than Brett did. Like Brett was, but in real, in normal, we know this is going to be televised matches. He did more of that than Brett did. You know, yeah, and I think it's mostly like Brett's at Brett. Brett is very athletic, but I think he might not have been as game as like Razor ended up being for the WrestleMania 10 liner match, doing more crazy stuff. Or if they were, if it was a big time event, maybe he would have. We never got to see a Bret Hart ladder match where it was like with stakes really attached, <laughs> which to is it. hilarious because it was his idea until the yeah. <laughs> but. I think I just don't think that's how Brett did things. I don't think that's what he thought was a good match. You know, yeah. I th- I think if he thought it was a good match, he would have found ways to incorporate that into his game. Well, not he thought he thought it was a way to make a good match because he probably does think that that can exist in a good match, but he probably doesn't think it's necessary in a good match. And it's not how he does it. Um, I'm only saying that because I I doubt he was like, I feel like he would have done anything to be entertaining. That's just, uh, that's how it feels for me. I could be wrong, but I feel like Brett would have done that. But I th- I just think the proof's in the pudding in that he didn't really need to do that to do what he did best. Maybe if Brett Hart tried to do all the acrobatic stuff and all the flippy stuff and all that stuff, maybe he's not as good as he was. Yeah. I Yeah, I think Brett... Brett's skill was being a really good base for guys to to move 
uh, off of and just having really like decidedly almost perfect fundamentals in wrestling like everything Bret Hart does is so crisp and looks perfect and looks like it hurts like Bret has good aggression and he like lays in his shots and stuff but he is relating to the crowd more that it's a fight I think than Shawn Michaels is and so it's a good balance as as uh opponents because when when Sean's a heel, he'll bump like crazy for Brett's offense, kind of in a Mr. Perfect mold. Mm-hmm. And then whenever Sean takes over through, through cheating or whatever, Brett's selling as a babyface, like you've talked about, is so agonized. And you yeah. really relate to Bret Hart that like it it does draw you in, even in something like this where they're not. I mean, they're maybe going not to judge them. Obviously, there's some extenuating circumstances. They're maybe going at an eight right mm-hmm. here. And they still have the crowd, you know, for, for a concept that nobody's ever seen. Oh, yeah. The crowd was into it. And and probably because of the novelty of the concept. And, you know, it, it looks it's a cool look when they're climbing that ladder, when they're falling off the ladder, when they're hitting each other with the ladder. It's not not something people have seen before. One thing I will point out, Sherry was going hard. at. I think yeah. Sherry might have been having some fun backstage because she was losing it and she looked kind of rough. <laughs> She is wearing a fantastic pair of boots, though. She's got like white leather boots to match Shawn Michaels white leather uh, outfit that he's wearing. You know what? I'm ashamed of myself. I didn't see your boots. I'm going to give her credit for the boots because I'm a boot guy and I I, I trust your your instincts when it comes to boots. But I need to I'm usually the booty man (laughs) there. You are the boot man. Uh, But yeah, I uh, the end of this match, it's uh, Sean's trying to climb the ladder and in the best spot of the match, Brett drop kicks the ladder and then uh, Sean falls off, crotches himself on the top rope, falls to the floor and Brett with not much pomp and circumstance climbs the ladder to retain the intercontinental title in 13 minutes and 46 seconds. And we saw the unabridged version. I think the, the version that's on TV is like eight minutes, which is the crime. That's surprising because like I said, like it's not a boring match at any stretch by any stretch. Like even us who have seen all the good like Eddie versus Ray and, and fucking edge and, and uh, like the Hardy boys. And you know what I mean? Like we've seen all the good uh, ladder matches. This wasn't a bad ladder match in these guys. These guys were going kind of, you know, it's not full clip. But uh, did you notice that Brett did the razor remote? I'm, I'm sure this is common, but the same thing that razor Ramon did when he got the, the belt off the ladder. I wonder if a razor saw that and did it where, oh, where Brett gets the belt. There. Brett gets the belt. He pulls it off. He holds it up. He looks exhausted. And then he just jumps off the ladder and just like <laughs> falls on his back on, on the, on the canvas. And I think that's a great way to show like exhaustion after a ladder match, but it looked almost, I need to, I, I need to find like both videos and put them close to each other. Cause it looked in my head, it looked very similar. So like, I wonder if, if Sean, uh, Scott Hall saw that, like watch, I'm sure Scott Hall watched that match before, you know, doing the ladder match of his own. I wonder if he got that idea from that or if that's just, you know, it could be parallel thinking. Cause what else are you going to do? Like you're, you're trying right. to look tired. You might fall off the ladder. So, well, and I wonder if, cause you know, Sean and Brett didn't have beef back then. So I wonder if they might've, or Brett might've suggested 
a yeah. thing or two because you know he's he's seen the match way more mm-hmm. you know and uh at did they do it at stampede a lot is that what happened they that's where the match at least from what i know originated but it was they're terrible like it's it's really bad really uh yeah because they don't have like the sturdy ladder it looks like a painter's ladder or they've just got one side and you have to like prop it oh yeah it's the one with like the skinny legs on the other side so you can't get up it is it uh uh well or they just or it's just one like literally it's not a ladder it's just like one side it looks like the barricade you know if you flipped the barricade up and you climbed that like have you ever seen have you ever seen the ladders with like it's a ladder but it's just got one pole that goes to the ground Uh, that's sort of what i'm talking about or like the one that you would lean against your house to climb like it's like that and they lean it against the top or against the turnbuckle and you climb it that way and there's like whatever's hanging on a post oh really yeah it's weird this might have been the best ladder match of all time when they did it yeah it's like the wwf took the idea and as the wwf generally does like they produced it better even if it's not their idea they yeah. did a better job at like presenting it i'd like to see the stampede thing but i'm guessing aesthetically and wrestling wise and this is just way better i wonder if they had to yeah. custom make ladders for it um for the first one um i know they they got to work the ladders now i mean it'd be stupid to not work the ladders now but anyway um so we'll move to SummerSlam 1992. Yep. Uh, this is champion versus champion. This is uh, Sean as the Intercontinental Champion is wrestling Brett as the WWF Champion. And this is for the WWF title. Do I have all that correct? Yes. Yeah, so it's champion versus champion in so much as they're both champions, but Sean's belt is not on the line. Yes. It's just Bret Hart's title. Um, and... Sean had recently won the title off of the British Bulldog at a uh, Saturday night's main event in October. And this match had already been made. So then suddenly Sean's the Intercontinental Champion taking on Brett, who had also won the WWF title from Ric Flair in October of 1992. So this is is part of Brett's first run as champion. It's his first pay-per-view main event as champion. Oh, okay, cool. Did you did you see the backstage interviews before this match? Yes. I thought Sean cut a pretty good promo. He did. Uh, you can tell, though, that the character is not perfectly refined. Like, he's being a bit of a caricature, which yeah. is a little bit more of the early 90s, late 80s, well, even early 90s and before, probably. Yeah. Um, he's playing it up a lot more. He's really chomping on that gum, and he is smacking it. <laughs> yeah obnoxiously on purpose yeah. uh uh sean's but... been sean's been in this gimmick a almost a year yeah because he turned on Janetti, you know through the window yeah uh <laughs> the beginning of 1992 yeah so it's been maybe like nine months or something like that yeah so it's 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 still a good gimmick it's just yeah. it it does evolve as the years go by and at this point of it it was a bit of a caricature and he had the he had the rock hard fucking Dave Coulier mullet. It was great. Um, yeah. Uh, he cuts his promo on the transitive property. So he's talking to Sean Mooney <laughs> and uh, Sean Mooney's like, are you worried about it? And he's like, no, I'm going to be the champion. Cause let me ask you who beat Bret Hart to win the intercontinental title. Like, well, the British bulldog did. And he goes, well, who did I beat to become the intercontinental champion? Well, you beat the British bulldog. 
well, one plus one yeah. <laughs> equals two. If I if, if British Bulldog can beat Bret Hart and I can beat the British Bulldog, ergo, I can beat Bret the Hitman Hart. Uh, and yeah, that's that's that's, that's that's called MMA math. It doesn't always yeah. work out. You can take you can draw a line from Mighty Mouse to uh, Fedor in MMA math. Really? Yeah, it's That's like funny. because you all you have to do is find a guy who Mighty Mouse beat. Mighty Mouse was a, a 125 pound champion, by the way, yeah. and uh, Fedor was a heavyweight. You can you find somebody who Mighty Mouse beat that also fought at bantamweight, a weight class up, and then you just keep doing that. Who did he yeah. beat that also fought at featherweight? <laughs> who did he beat that also? And you could go all yeah. the way to Fedor. <laughs> so Demetrius Johnson could beat Fedor. Yeah, be, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Sean is out to uh, uh, Bret Hart's promo was good too. Don't don't sleep on that. He oh no, I have it on the next my my next set of notes. But go ahead. Oh okay, cool. Sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, he he did a promo about what Bret Hart always does a promo about. Like he's a great competitor. I'm ready to do this. I'm looking forward to the competition. Um, he he acknowledges Sean, Sean's talent. Yeah, and says he's a, he's going to be a great intercontinental champion. But it's essentially what DC Daniel Cormier said this when he I think is before he fought um, Patrick Cummins. There's levels to this. And yeah. a lot of people use that phrase now. So I don't know if he originated it, but um, that's essentially a Bret Hart saying like he is not he's he's great. He's awesome, but he's not ready to be the WWF yeah. champion. And I think that story someday, someday he could be the champion, but he hasn't grinded to the point that I've grinded to get where I'm at. Yeah. And I, I think that is kind of the the story that this match tells too um because it's about it's a story of resilience um but anyway go ahead with the Um, intros yeah i liked i liked brett's promo it is you could tell he's trying to grow into the shoes a little bit because like he's not hulk hogan he's not the ultimate warrior he can't cut promos like Mm -hmm. that so Mm -hmm. now we have to do what brett hart's really good at which is a sports-based promo hey i'm the guy who's the champ I'm really good. This other guy, he's pretty good, but he's not as good as I am yet. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to show everybody because being the champ is important to me. He did do a line that said something to the effect of Thanksgiving is the best time for giving thanks or something to that effect. Oh, Cause man. This, this survivor series used to be Thanksgiving Eve. Yeah. And so he was like, you know, Thanksgiving is a time where people like reflect on, on being thankful. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and eh. he, he did the like elementary school. <clears throat> this is how I'm going to write an intro thing where it's like yeah. Thanksgiving and SummerSlam have always been. I mean, Thanksgiving and Survivor Series have been hand in hand for for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's not uh, exactly what he said, but something like yeah. that. And then they talk about Brett's title defense record since he's won the belt. Uh, according to the folklore of WWE, he's been the most active champion. And that's sort of. That's how they need to sell Bret Hart is like, hey, this guy will go out every night and he'll give you a great match. And he's always up to to wrestle whoever big, small. Uh, he's always he's always just wants to fight who's next. Yeah, he's just yeah. he's just waiting in line. So uh, they Which use, is the, it's the way that he got he's got to do it. Like, that's the proper yep. thing to do with Bret Hart. If Bret Hart would have tried to do the macho man or the or the uh, the ultimate warrior, or the screamy promos or try to like, listen, you're going to get the 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 electricity and um, char- charisma that you're going to get from your gimmick is going to be from your pink pants and your glasses. <laughs> right. And other than that, you're just a fantastic wrestler. 
who looks pretty imposing and people seem to like like and and ride the fuck out of that like you're so good at wrestling you don't have to do anything else we'll put you in pink pants that'll make you exciting yeah (laughs) you know that's uh sean comes out to the sherry martell version of his theme which is pretty good but i think they really hit it when sean is singing his own theme song i was gonna say that too like i it's so conceited it works so well it's so much better when sean sings it uh i'm glad they kept the same "Ah, ah," (laughs) at the beginning but him singing it makes it so much better with the gritty voice (laughs) like i can just see him in the booth i think he's cute versus i think i'm cute i think i'm cute (laughs) yeah Yeah. but i know but i know i'm sexy that's so funny like it's so much better but uh this is also sort of a linchpin in the transition for the wwf in the early 90s because they have to get away from the steroid guys which on the one hand, makes them less of a cartoon show, less of a circus, less larger than life, as small as wrestlers can be. But the wrestling improves. Like this match is a really good yeah. main event wrestling match that aside from like when you had Randy Savage in the main events, Hogan and Warrior aren't going to be able to give you this quality main event from a wrestling standpoint, not from an entertainment standpoint, but from a pure wrestling standpoint, this is this is miles ahead of what either of those guys were doing. From what I've seen, I agree. Like, I'm sure yeah. you're right completely. But uh, the <laughs> did, you, did you hear what Heenan said at the beginning where uh, McMahon goes, uh, Brett, the hitman heart is perhaps the most scientific WWF champion of all time. And Heenan goes wrong. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and uh, McMahon goes, what do you mean wrong? And he goes, Flair. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> yeah. He's such a homer for Ric Flair. Yeah. And he, the way he's just the indignance yeah. he said it with it. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Vince goes, Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a pause. So I thought that was the whole conversation. And then Vince yeah. is like, so did Brett beat Flair for his yeah, title? Brett, yeah, Brett beat Flair to win the title. Yeah, so so Vince brought that up and he and yeah. weaseled out of it. But just the wrong <laughs> Flair. <laughs> uh, Heenan also has a good uh, has a good line in the beginning where he's talking about how stupid Bret Hart is because <laughs> uh, he's like, "What does Shawn Michaels? Uh, what does Shawn Michaels have to do to to?" beat bret hart he's like well he's got to pin him or make him submit and he's like so what does bret hart have <laughs> yeah, to gain from from wrestling this match all he, to beat him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. all he can do is lose the thing he has sean's <laughs> sean's already the intercontinental champion and so just uh, he he keeps calling bret hart a dummy the whole match for so and uh, that's the funny thing bobby heenan thinks that any champion who actually defends his title is an idiot <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, he also at one point in the match goes uh he he references all 65 of the heart siblings yeah. <laughs> he, he says that they're all trying to eat the one two pound bird that they caught in canada <laughs> he's like do they even take the feathers off that bird or they just throw it in the oven on high <laughs> he's he's a king oh bobby man heenan. we miss you bobby heenan he'll live forever <laughs> um they do some really good wrestling early, just some good like amateur style back and forth wrestling. And even here, 
you can tell like Shawn Michaels is so fluid in the ring, like mm-hmm. the the way he moves and the the sequences that he can get in and out of, and like Brett is game for all of it. Like it's two guys who can really work that style, still make it look like a fight, but neither guy is a step behind the other. Like well, they're perfectly they, matched for that. Even even at the first tie up, they tie up. I think Brett pushes Sean to the ropes. I think it could be the other way around, but I think it's Brett pushing Sean to the ropes. And then they kind of like roll on the ropes, each guy getting in. You know what I mean? It's like when people in MMA have the clinch and they're switching back and forth on the, they do it all the way to the corner and then they break. Like even that, just the little details of those things. They, these guys seem to speak each other's language so well that you said that they they didn't wrestle each other that many times, but it seems like they've wrestled each other a hundred times, you know? Yeah. Um, the, uh, there's a there's a really good spot where Brett goes to dive onto Sean and Sean catches him and just kind of falls backwards into the top rope and Brett slingshots off the top rope and that's how Sean gets the advantage. But just Brett's selling off of that, like his body crumples off that top rope and he's immediately yeah, like he's immediately injured. And then Sean is working the arm and just throws him straight into the ring post by his shoulder. And then that gives him the advantage. Like Sean is taking shortcuts because like you said to the story earlier, he's not as uh, experienced as, as Bret Hart is. So he's trying to take every shortcut he can take. Plus he's a heel. So it helps with that. But like they do a really good job building in my mind, the like there's an escalation to the, the bumps and to the intensity of this. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I wrote, I wrote the same thing. It's not surprising that this started with a little bit of mat wrestling and a a little bit of like messing around on the ropes and all this stuff, because especially in Brett's matches, Brett's matches really evolve as they go. And did you see it this way? This, This is how I saw it. I think, and maybe this was because of Brett's seniority or, not really seniority, but Brett's status as the champion, or maybe seniority. I don't know. This seemed like a Bret Hart match more than a Shawn Michaels match. And I think that's, that does speak to Shawn's versatility. But I think that it, it, is, it is telling, well, not telling, but it's very interesting that Shawn was willing and able to just kind of wrestle a Bret Hart match. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's two things. I think it's one, this is a it's a showcase match for both guys, but Brett needs to look strong because it's his first championship match and they're trying to establish him as the new like torch pair for the WWE. Uh, and they're trying not to put to point, find a point on it because we I talked about it a minute ago. They're trying to re-educate these fans to like this is the style now. Yeah. This is how we wrestle. Okay. And so I think it it is a Bret Hart match because he probably called it because he's the senior wrestler. That's what I was guessing as well, is that <clears throat> Bret called this match. It, it really seemed like Bret called this match. Yeah, but he gives Sean an, a lot in this match. Yes, uh, he does. It, it he Sean looks great in this match. Like he he, you know, su- surprise, surprise, Bret Bret goes over. We'll we'll just say it now. It's not like yeah. you know, where people are like, oh, he spoiled it. Uh so <laughs> Brett goes over in this match, but Sean is if you do like, you know how they do time of possession in sports. (laughs) Sean is is in control for most of this match. And I think that works really well because Sean's the heel. 
Brett's the baby face. So he has to have, have resilience. And like we said, the story of the match is it's like, I mean, we keep talking about MMA today, but it's, it's salient. I think it's like when somebody's having their first title fight in the, in MMA, they're like, can he go five rounds? Like once he right. gets in the fourth and fifth round, it's a whole different story. This guy is fighting has been in fourth and fifth round a million times or, you know, four or five yeah. times or whatever. So that's a, I, I think that's a great story, especially if you're going to have the experienced guy go over, have the resilience and the experience kind of put it, put him over the top there. But like yeah. there was a time when Sean's holding Brett down for like extended an extended period. And he hasn't been a headlock for a while. And Brett like very momentarily grabs the hair and the referee, by the way, Earl Hebner, once again, this fucking guy, there's Earl Hebner and there's the like bizarro um what's his name the the brilliant yeah. actor who died of a heroin overdose what's his name heath ledger no the other no he heath ledger was prescription drugs uh, oh i'm sorry yeah wait wait food philip seymour oh hoffman. yeah philip philip seymour. there's a, like a bizarro oh. philip seymour hoffman ass looking guy <laughs> yeah but uh hebner stops him when brett grabs the hair brett, brett likes to go immediately and then brett finally gets up from the headlock and he breaks Sean's hold and Sean grabs Brett by the back of the head and just pulls him down to the ground again real fast and, and gets yeah. him back in the headlock. Like it was a perfect little um, Sean is just clawing and trying, trying to find a way to cheat his way to this victory, but Brett's just going to outlast him situation, you know? Yeah. Or I've, uh, I've listened to a few audiobooks about the NBA uh, this year for some reason, because it, it interests me. Uh, but... It's a very interesting league. It really is. And they talk an awful lot about like to win in the NBA, you first have to lose. So like Michael Jordan had to go through these progressions where he would, he would get further and further in the playoffs, but he would lose because he was going up against Detroit and Detroit was more experienced. And so Detroit would beat him up. Yeah. And so then he'd have to train to be able to beat Detroit. And then that was some of the coolest stuff in the last dance too. Yeah. Oh, he hates Isaiah Thomas. And it is hates isaiah yeah, thomas is and isaiah's evident. like i don't know why he hated me yeah. <laughs> even though uh, they were obviously on purpose dicks the entire time yeah. or and then isaiah thomas's team had lost to the celtics before mm-hmm. that and had mm-hmm. to beat the celtics like in the nba they talk uh, it's, again they talk a lot about you have to learn to lose so that you can win like a team that just is making it to the playoffs for the first time even if they're very good normally won't win because there's the more experienced teams that have been there before and can like play LeBron, same thing. Right. Yeah. So uh, Sean doesn't, he does another one of his uh, flip over bumps off of a top rope back suplex, which looked really good in this match. Uh, but then he uh, takes over, hits a super kick. He hits the, his finish at the time was a, uh, was called a teardrop suplex. Is that suplex where he grabbed him around the thigh basically, and then picked him up and slammed him. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a sweet move. I like it a lot. Yeah, so, uh, and then Bobby Heenan's talking about if Shawn Michaels doesn't beat Bret Hart, the next guy will, because Shawn's taken so much out of Bret in this match, pushed him to the limit, essentially, that whoever gets him after this is going to beat him. And just like in uh, all sports, like we were talking about, Shawn makes one mistake at the end of this match where he gets frustrated and he goes to the second rope and he dives off the rope and Brett catches him and locks the sharpshooter in and mm-hmm. is able to, and is able to beat Sean with his move, 
but it's because Sean made a mistake and Brett was able to capitalize on it because he is the more experienced guy. And I'm nitpicking here because this is a, it's a great way to tell a story. It's perfect. But that jump off the rope was very clearly here. Take both my legs. Yeah. So like, I wish there was a better way to do that where it didn't clearly look like he was trying to give him his legs. But I mean, stuff like that, you see that um, 15 times in every modern show. Like here, here's my legs. Um, I'm dude. I'm starting to listen. I understand he's a polarizing figure. I understand that he said a lot of things that I personally disagree with and personally are offensive to me. I think he's out of touch in a lot of ways, but in terms of his wrestling opinions, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like Jim Cornette, man. Like <laughs> I I like I I'm not crazy about the choreographed, obviously fake stuff. Like yeah. it's fun. It's fun as a spectacle, right? So like, and this is this this is the only compliment I might ever give a WCW is WCW would have like, you know, a lucha match in the middle of their show, and there was a lot of that stuff, a lot of the choreographed stuff, and those were so much fun. Like, uh, there was one what was the one that was just crazy good on, on, on WCW? Do you remember? There was like a, I think you, it was that six man tag with psychosis and Juventud Guerrero. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the, there was like, like a guy dressed like a power ranger, basically yeah. um, the, stuff like that. Like that's great to break up your show, but for it being the entire show, I feel like you lose a lot of what professional wrestling is. And, but the one thing I disagree with him on, and I think he is softening on this, um, I don't think AEW is all that, uh, like he says it is. Like MJF versus Darby Allen was not all that. You know what I mean? It was, it was a, and, and now you've got Danielson in there. Now you've got CM Punk in there. Now you've got all these guys who work like Bret Hart and a little bit of Shawn Michaels, obviously. But like yeah. the choreographed stuff, I just like as much, the more I watched Bret Hart wrestle, that's the, your guy. I just well, that's my prototype. Or the, the the style. I'd call it that's my prototype. Yeah, like yeah. the more I the more I watch that, and even Sean, like because Sean isn't as egregious as some of the things we see. No. So like he probably was for the time. You know what I mean? Like because it was it wasn't a new new a fully new thing per se because it existed in other places. But like in terms of like in North American wrestling, I haven't seen anybody who did the like kind of choreographed like rockers stuff before they did. So like, I'm sure it was like jarring and a lot different then. So, but watching these two guys work and watching the true pros of telling a story in there and not having to like being able to call your matches the whole time and being able to, cause I listened to, the, 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 the what helped me have well not helped me but like what put the light bulb over my head in terms of this I, I listened to Cornette watch um, Hart versus Austin at Wrestlemania 13 yeah and he's talking about how you know they're calling all the spots and this is why you call all the spots because it makes you it makes you work on your face it makes you focus on your facial expressions but more it makes you focus on telling the story a little bit more instead of spending the whole time trying to remember what you guys are have to going to have to do next. Yeah. And, um, and like that's I like, said, as much of a cocksucker that guy is sometimes like, yeah, I agree with that. And with, with, on the surface, I don't know shit about wrestling, but I agree with that. You know, but, he's got bad 
hot takes on a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, and he certainly hasn't moved with the times in some mm-hmm. regards, but some of the things like he hates the Lucha brothers. And I think it's just like, I, I can't get behind that because I think they're so phenomenal at the style they wrestle. Yeah. That it's good. And if that were every single match, sure. But like the Lucha brothers are the best at that thing that they're doing. And I, so subpar versions of that, I don't like as much, but like Ray Phoenix fucking <laughs> get out of here. If you don't think that Ray Phoenix is a great pro wrestler, like, yeah, I think what is, what is the, I tried to look it up real quick. What is the philosophical idea of when you see something and you decide within ethics, if you decide whether or not to do something, you look at it and go, what if everybody did that? Is it a good or a bad thing? I can't remember what that's called. Somebody, somebody who knows more than me is, is thinking of that in their head. Like it's basically like littering. Like if you see somebody litter, if you, when you're deciding whether or not to litter, you go, what if everybody littered would be, would it be a good thing or a bad thing? It would be a bad thing. So I'm not going to litter. That's kind of how it seems like Cornette sees wrestling. Like if he sees the Lucha brothers, he goes, what if everybody does that? If everybody does that, it's bad. So that thing's bad. You know what I mean? Cause like, well, I he, like the Lucha brothers. Well, and he wants, I think part of the problem is he want, he longs for a thing that can no longer exist. Like kayfabe. he wants, he wants kayfabe to still be attacked. Like, right. Uh, and it's just not it's like, not it's gonna a, no. never going to go. We're never going to get back to that point. No. But within wrestling, you can, I, it's like everything else. I know movies aren't real, but I want the movie to, I don't want the movie to tell me that it's not real. I want the movie to treat itself with like seriousness. So well, the same thing. So I like, I know the show's not real, but I don't want the guys in the show to be making an open <laughs> mockery of the fact it's not real. Yeah. And you don't want like special effects are pretty cool, but you don't yeah. want to see like some gnarly Michael Bay thing where the entire thing's explosions. Right. And- if there's no story you're not really tied to exactly. And I think that's how he sees it. And that's kind of sometimes how I see it when that's what we're getting. Like I'm not accusing any particular organization of doing that because I don't think any organization does it as badly as he says that a lot of organizations do it, to be honest. But I think that just, I, like I said, the more I watch these two guys, the more I realize that like, this is, this is what, it should be in my opinion, but maybe not everybody can do this. And well, and that makes sense. Cause like Kevin Owens is like, I think Kevin Owens is probably one of the few guys that's close to yeah. this yeah. at this point. And he's one of your favorite guys. Oh man. Like, he's, he's, I, I think he's the, like, he's the, be- he's the shit. Yeah. And he's the, the th- modern, he's the modern style of this mm-hmm. basically, well, you know, cause punk punk Danielson, Owens, Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, like, all of those guys are treating it legitimately and real, even if the style has advanced, but they're still like Owens is preoccupied with the story and with selling and with mm-hmm. telling an, an excellent story while doing crazy shit because the spots have advanced, but the spots make sense. Like in this match, everything they did made sense internally to the match they were having. Yeah. And well, and if you step outside, I mean, even Rusev. Uh, yeah. uh, what's his name Miro. now? Miro. Miro. Even Miro, like he he doesn't obviously he doesn't have the acrobatics. Uh, he doesn't have the athleticism, the speed, any of those things. 
but his showing of agony, his his uh, the pain that he shows on his face and in his acting and the way that he moves, the stories that he tells in the ring are top shelf. And he's one yeah. of my top maybe 10 guys in the world. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's just what I resonate with. Um, but we're going to come to, like we said, we're going to do kind of conclusions. Yeah. And please understand those listening. Sometimes every once in a while, I will pretend that my opinions are completely definitive and objective because I think it's funny. It's like like Chael Sonnen almost. Sure. Uh, I think it's funny to pretend everybody's stupid and I'm the only right person in the world. But just know it's all subjective. So like if you like if your favorite stuff is the the um, the choreographed super high flying stuff with if you want to see a whole um, organization that does that. I, I personally, I, I'm not offended by it. And I think that's the thing. I think that's because Cornette's been in it, in it his whole life and he he likes it a certain way. I haven't been in it my whole life. This doesn't like this isn't something that I've invested my entire life into. So I've, I've, I have no anger or animosity towards anybody who likes right. any certain thing. Yeah. And they're like in 2021 uh, death match wrestling became like a huge thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm interested in stepping into it a little bit, but uh, right now death match wrestling is not my favorite style of wrestling. Yeah. Like, I've, I haven't seen much of it, but I imagine I wouldn't like it that much to be honest. Right. So, but I'm interested because there, there seems to have been there. Maybe the guys who are doing it now are better at it than the guys that like I had seen do it before, but okay. it, on its, on its face, it yeah. makes me uncomfortable, but if people like that and the guys are doing it and they're not against their will, putting themselves through panes of glass or whatever, like, Hey, they're fine. You know? You I'm, you could like that. I'm going to start a non-consensual deathmatch wrestling organization <laughs> where uh, it is consensual. Like, obviously, I don't want to go to prison. Right. But the story is that neither of these guys, like right. nobody like, in my organization, like ever. It's a it's a it's a fighting pit organization. Right. I'm a it's ruler. Like a, it's like the movie The Running Man. It's like the Coliseum. Yeah. I've never seen The Running Man. Is The Running Man like a Hunger Games like, style, like you kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger is the butcher of Bakersfield, and he goes on a TV show. And uh, the TV show he, is he has to like murder the other contestants. Uh, Listen, that's gonna be my radio persona, the butcher of Bakersfield. The <laughs> butcher of Bakersfield. Uh, so that match got four and a half stars. Really? Uh, and, okay. Yeah, it was twenty six minutes and forty seconds. It's a, it's pretty long, but like I was, you know. Uh, how do you not see two Picassos painting and get bored? You know, like, one thing I one one thing I didn't point out uh, the ladder match we didn't see Shawn Michaels butt because Bret Hart knows better than that. That's right, he's classy. He yeah, wants to classy. be able to show his kids. The kids. You know? Well, what happens at the end of this match after after uh, after Bret wins? Oh, that's right. Uh, uh, it's weird because WWF always does this with their new baby faces. Uh, Santa comes out (laughs) while Shawn Michaels is leaving the ring. It's such a weird thing. Like Santa was just in the gorilla position. Like, oh, he's in the sharpshooter now. He's fucked. And just, (laughs) yeah, he starts to pick up his bag of treats and shit. Uh, And then they hand out presents with Bret Hart wearing a Santa hat, I believe. Yeah. Santa puts uh, a Santa hat on Bret, the hitman. They did the same thing with diesel and Kevin Nash is so 
pissed about it because he's like they he's like they neutered me he's like i'm, I'm this big badass guy that wins the world title in seven seconds and then two weeks later i'm, I'm saying we wish you a merry christmas with santa on monday night raw uh, you know and i could i could see his point yeah i guess like Bret Hart's an everyman. Diesel is not an everyman. And Brett, Brett even did the thing where you sit on the the second rope and hold up the top rope to let the yep. person into the ring because he's yep. a gentleman. Yeah. And it's Santa Claus. Uh, yeah. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to get seven cold, seconds. Dude. Uh, Bob Backlund. Fucking Bob Backlund, Mickey Rooney looking ass <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> no, he's uh, a legend. <laughs> I just know yeah. him from being who's whose manager was he? Uh, he was the manager of the Sultan. The Sultan is—is is that yeah. what it was? <laughs> yeah, at WrestleMania 13. No, uh, recently, like in the last like five years, he was somebody's manager. Oh yeah. Was it like? I don't think it was. I don't think it was Wade Barrett. I don't remember who. He I'll managed. look it up. Yeah. Um. But that moves us to Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. We're now in 1996. It's WrestleMania 12. We've got Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels in a Iron Man match for the WWF title. The most decisions by pinfall, submission, disqualification, countout in an hour will determine who the WWF champion is. Bret is coming off of having won the title from Diesel in the match that we watched from Survivor Series 1995. Uh, Shawn is coming off of having won the Royal Rumble in 1996 that I attended live, saw Shawn Michaels' butt, uh and yeah dude (laughs) uh better than those glasses yeah and having beat owen hart at the february pay-per-view to maintain his title shot because they were running an angle at the time where sean had gotten after he got beat up by the 26 marines he had a concussion and then owen hart (laughs) kicked him in his head and uh Sean got a concussion again and passed out in the ring in November of 95 and like a pretty big angle for the time. And they were like, is Sean going to be able to wrestle again? What's he going to do? And then he came back, won the Royal rumble. So that's the buildup to this match. Um, the backstory is this match is essentially a gift to Pat Patterson because he thought that Sean and Brett were the two best wrestlers in the world and thought if we give them an hour, they could have the best wrestling match of all time. And so that is the uh, the impetus for booking this match. Okay. Uh, Bob Backlund was Darren Young's manager. Thought that might have been it, but yeah. I wasn't sure. That was, that was a lot more flaccid of a, of a person. I thought he was a manager for like a bigger character. He did manage the Sultan with the Iron Sheik, and we saw that. Yeah, we did see that. That's, we that's, did see that. That was yeah. probably better. He's a, Bob Backlund's a funky-looking guy. Yeah, he's a weird guy. He was WWF champion for five years. Yeah, almost. he's a weird guy. I know. I know he was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hell yeah. They so in the build up to this match, it's very funny. Like Brett has some beef because they are clearly hyping Shawn Michaels up. They're like the boyhood dream of Shawn Michaels since he was 12 to be WWF champion. And he was trained by Jose Lothario and it shows him in like a dingy ring running spots and then doing upside down pushups for like no reason. Like those pushups don't do any. They're just vanity pushups. Listen, dude, he's a heartbreak kid. <laughs> and then he's, he's super kicking a heavy bag. Like you can train the super kick. 
Somehow. You got to get that snap, dude. Yeah. And then it's like versus the technician, Bret Hart. And then it shows Bret Hart in like the frigid ass Canadian winter trying to run on the road. And he's like, they made me look like I'm 80 years old. I have to run slow because I don't want to fall on the ice. <laughs> then I'm getting stretched by my dad who's 80 in the basement. And it's like the Shawn Michaels is getting all the cool shit. And Bret Hart just looks like an old man in a cabin. They got Brett in front of a uh, chalkboard that says suplex plus sharpshooter equals win. And he's got glasses on. He's just tapping. He's tapping his his mouth with a pen. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All smart. right. All right. That's see. how that's that's how I do it. I Dell wrestling federation. Yeah. So uh, they then we have. So we have the the entrances. Shawn Michaels. Music starts playing and Jose Lothario walks out. And of course, um, uh, Bob, or uh, Jerry the King Lawler is now the heel commentator. And he's talking about what a coward Shawn Michaels is and how he ran off and how, you know, he's, he's not going to be here. And Jose Lothario uh, gets in the corner and points to the top of the arena and Shawn Michaels zip lines down uh, this gi- this giant zip line into the crowd while his music's playing, uh, which is a very cool entrance. And he gets in the ring and he does this the big spin and yeah. he hits the 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 bicep pose. Mm-hmm. And then Bret Hart just walks out yeah. <laughs> of the entrance. Ramble. Well, I mean, what what's a better way to show their personalities? But I, the funny thing about the zip line entrance, it's like the Sting yeah. entrance, right? Yeah. It's so cool, except for the part where they get to the bottom and they have to get that goddamn head harness off of them. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, stop touching me. Yeah. <laughs> get this harness off they're me. all just like trying to get the harness off. Like, yeah. I understand why WWE wanted the quick release for Owen. Like, yeah. like, because it's so much better when you can just get that fucking thing off of you. Yeah. But in the interest of safety, I'm glad it takes him a long time to do it. But it's just like, yeah. It was so good. Like he, the, the music starts and he's dancing up there with a the thing and then he starts coming yeah. down and he's Shawn Michaels. So he's like playing up the crowd perfectly and everything like fist pumping while he's in there. Yeah. yeah. And then he gets to the bottom and it's just, you know, 30 seconds of him standing there with a bunch of stage hands trying to get this yeah. stuff off of him. And then he starts dancing again as he gets back. Yeah. Up. It's uh, there's also footage of Vince McMahon doing the zip line because uh, he really yeah, he wouldn't do any. He wouldn't ask the wrestlers to do anything that he wouldn't do. Uh, was he like just wanted to do the zip line, and he he yeah. thought of a noble way to frame it. Yeah, but it's also like I this was the first uh, WrestleMania I ever ordered on pay per view. Convince my mom, please let me order oh, WrestleMania dude. twelve. I bet you were jacked up when he oh, was coming down on that zip line. I was so psyched, and uh, I was rooting for Shawn Michaels. My friend was rooting for Bret Hart. So we're. You as a child, wait, this is WrestleMania 13, so you're like 30. Um, yeah, no, how old were you when this happened? Uh, WrestleMania 12, I was I was 12 years old. No, I was 11, I was gonna turn 12. So, was 11 gonna turn 12 dusty excited for a one hour long wrestling match? Did the fact Uh, that it was one hour long make you more excited? I don't know that it made me more excited. I was I was excited because I really really liked Bret Hart, and I was really into Shawn Michaels uh, at that point. Like, 
when he turned babyface, I was like there for it because he did, he did all the cool moves. But I don't know that they were selling me. I was like, oh, that'd be cool to see how many like pinfalls or whatever they could get. Little did I know, but I, I wasn't gonna like, be so many. Yeah, but I wasn't like, oh yeah, like I it's guaranteed well, to go full hour. hour. Fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but I just think that even then, as a kid. But especially now, I'm like, well, who's going to win this match? The guy who came down on a goddamn zip line <laughs> or, the, or the guy who just walked out? <laughs> they're not gonna that waste, is a good point. That is a good they're, point. They're, they're not going to waste, waste money on the loser. Yeah, they're going to waste zip line money on the guy who's not going to be That's the champion. That's funny, especially since she's the challenger. The yeah, challenger yeah. gets the zip line. But Bret, ha- Bret Hart coming down on the zip line would have felt so out of place. He would oh. have to ride a moose to the ring. <laughs> yeah, if he was on an elephant or something. With with a Mountie. Like, he's yeah. he's 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 riding, like, the girl position behind, like, the yeah. <laughs> Um. So I'm, I'm curious. Um. What do you think of the idea of an Iron Man match? And what did you think of this? I like the idea of the match, but honestly, I'm not stoked about the idea of a one hour long wrestling match. Like, and I, and I know there's a lot of history in it, nobility in it. And I know like back in the day, like it was kind of pretty common to have long matches, especially like, you know, 60 minute draws or whatever. Yeah. I'm not stoked about the idea. If there's anybody that I, trust to do it it's these guys um and very few other people in the world ever ever lived in the in the in the world but yeah it doesn't make me want to watch a match anymore to hear that it's an hour long i was curious with this one yeah because i'm gonna be honest i don't think i've ever watched a one hour long wrestling match Uh, i didn't watch it was the was, was danielson page one hour yeah I didn't with, watch com- with commercials. Oh, okay. So. But I, I didn't watch that. But uh, I've heard it was fantastic and I need to watch that. Yeah. But so that'll maybe be the second one hour long wrestling match that I watch. But it's just every time I've before I've that I've heard that a match went on the hour long. I'm like, people like watching an hour long wrestling match. Now, would it if it were going an hour and you didn't know it? Do you think that that's bad? Because I I have an inherent problem with the Iron Man match, which I think goes well, into my because notes. You know for it's going to go an hour. Yeah, I think. Oh, the, that makes sense. Yeah, the the crowd is a problem in this match. I think because they know part of the inherent enjoyment in wrestling is like, oh, this could be the end of the match at any point. Yeah, and this match, it's like you know it's going an hour no matter what happens. And I think, I think that's a really good point that that has been a problem in a lot of iron man matches where they announce that the time limit like if a match is going an hour to a draw like i figured the danielson page match would go an hour in about 45 minutes in i was like oh they're gonna do a draw yeah and i think we talked about it yeah uh before when we were talking about how we would book that we talked about a draw or like some fuckery or something like that because you couldn't have you can't beat either of them on what was it on uh dynamite yeah, you but can't beat either run. of them on the first dynamite after he wins, or what? It wasn't right. the first dynamite after he wins, but the first time they wrestle, you know. Yeah, but they're doing the rematch. Somebody's got to win that rematch. Where, so where where are they doing it? What are they doing it on? Next week on dynamite. Really? 
the first TBS because they're moving to TBS. So the first Dynamite on TBS is the uh, Danielson rematch. Well, I will be watching that for sure. And before that, I'm going to try to watch the draw match. Yeah. Um. So I think I think a a, a match can go an hour, and I think it's better if people don't know ahead of time that it's going an hour because I mean, you still have point. you still have that inherent like excitement that the match could end at any point. Like this match is fighting against the idea that it's timed. You know, we only need to see the last 10 minutes to really get the whole thing. Unless we just want to watch some wrestling for the other 50 minutes. You know? The one thing that sucks is if you do it on a show that everybody knows how long the show is going to be and you start the match, you're not telling that it's going to be an hour, but you start the match an hour before the ma- the show's supposed to right. end, you know? Well, that's the Danielson-Page match went on first, and I was like, oh, I bet they, like... Oh, they I bet this goes... A, yeah. They could do an hour, you know? I don't and, think the second match goes an hour, but, the like, this one could. No, it the shouldn't. The first one, you could, no. It shouldn't go an hour, in my opinion, but the... I think a lot of times now, even with, like, WWE, WWE pay-per-views don't go... a defined amount of time and i don't think i don't think AEW do either right so i think you can do it as a main event call it one fall don't even say our time limit or any shit like that um and let it go that long that would be dope but so yeah i do think because at at some point you're like man they've been going for 45 minutes or whatever but yeah if you knew beforehand it was going to be an hour then it kind of takes a little bit of the wind out of it which completely makes sense yeah, um, this whole the match way, referee third man in the ring. It's got to be Earl Hebner, dude. He's in every match. Yeah. He'll disqualify you at the count of five, dude. You he break will. at the count of four. And that's the thing. You have to be clear about that at the yeah. beginning of it because you've been so fuck fucking loose with the rules forever. Yeah. But in an Iron Man loose. match, you have to be hard with the rules. Loose. Yeah, loose. Uh, <laughs> Bill Hicks, we love you. <laughs> um. So the story of this match is Bret Hart's wrestling skill and technique is supposed to be up against Shawn Michaels speed and agility. Yeah. That's the match or that's the story that the commentary is presenting at the beginning, but Mm -hmm. uh, the match doesn't really work out that way. It's very slow at the beginning. Like yeah, 10 minutes in, they haven't really done a lot and the crowd. I, I started to feel like the crowd was getting restless. Like they're waiting for something, but if you're going to wrestle an hour, you, you do have to pace yourself. Like you have to build it, but you have to build it in a different way because you you can't get out of it. Well, it's tough to tell them that this is definitely going to be an hour and do zero to zero. Uh, I think if you tell them it's going to be an hour, you got to have some pinfalls or some like some adversity that somebody has to because like a lot of times what I've seen in WWE matches, I think I've seen a WWE Iron Man match. I don't think I've seen an hour long match, so I don't know, but. I've seen sometimes they do 30 minute iron. I think I've seen those then because I, I I don't think I've seen an hour long matches. I've match. I pretty sure I've seen, I know I've seen a match where it's like how many pinfalls can each person get? And they do a timer. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll give somebody a big deficit. Like they'll be down three to zero and they have to come back or something like that. And that, that gives you something to build towards as you go. But if you just go zero, zero, when you tell them it's going to be an hour, it's just kind of an hour. And then at some point you go, Oh, they might go zero zero with this thing, and you just don't expect yeah. any of the pinfalls to do anything, you know. Yeah, the uh, my favorite move in a Iron Man match is where the heel 
will go and get like an object. Like uh, there's a really good Rock versus Triple H Iron Man match where Triple H goes and gets a chair and smokes the Rock with the chair. So then he loses the fall by disqualification, but then he pins the Rock immediately after to get to go ahead. When Hebner said that disqualification is one pinfall, that's yeah. exactly what I thought. Like they should yeah. do an angle where a guy fucks a guy up with a, with a weapon, like yeah. fucks him up bad, like hits a guy in the head with a sledgehammer and they disqual- yeah. disqualify him. And he just pins the guy like 15 times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like Pinning he'll him. he'll like I think Triple H pinned him after the chair shot and then hit another move and then pinned him again. So like he gave up one to get three. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. That's a that's an interesting story. But this I think what they were trying to really do is they're they're on the one hand, they're giving the belt to Sean. They want to show that Sean and Brett are equals and they want to give bret hart something for the rematch you only mm-hmm. beat me one to nothing and you only uh, jump to the <laughs> jump to the end surprise surprise you only beat me because they put an overtime in that i didn't know was going to happen stinking fucking gorilla monsoon ass motherfucker um ventura was right <laughs> yeah <laughs> the whole time yeah. uh so sean i told you monsoon <laughs> i told you that monsoon was crooked <laughs> uh sean <laughs> Uh, hits a head scissors out of the corner and Vince quote one of those high flying Mexican maneuvers. Oh, I didn't hear him say that. That's hilarious. Yeah. And uh, it's fucking with BDI Vince look when, yeah. after he says that. That's uh, so the, the, the story that they end up telling for most of it is Sean is doing a lot more wrestling than they thought. Like he's, he's grounding Brett with arm bars and arm drags he's working the arm and then brett is working like the upper body because he's doing a lot of headlocks and yeah different things but it's again it's just really slow and uh the at 15 minutes in brett goes for a sharpshooter and the people finally pop and then he clotheslines sean over the top and there's a couple of spots in this match that don't really make any sense to me like sean had brett's sitting in a chair and Sean goes to super kick him and Brett moves and Sean super kicks the timekeeper the timekeeper. Yeah. And just smokes him. Yeah. He fucked that super guy kick. up. He fucked that guy up. <laughs> but it doesn't go anywhere. That it's guy just, I think they, died. <laughs> yeah. They, they cart him off, but it doesn't have any bearing on the match. I all. think they were trying to put little attractions into this to make sure, you know what I mean? Yeah, I could see that. That's because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, that doesn't, like, is that going to pay off somewhere or like, is that going to go somewhere? But there's not really a way that it can unless Hebner like gets distracted by the people coming out in the stretch or something. But that doesn't make sense. So like, uh, but I think it was like they had to add bells and whistles to this hour long thing. So it's more, yeah. you know what I mean? And I guess if they can't use like decisions to to pop the crowd they got to do something and you can't have you can't have either of them hit their finish because uh, back then they protected finishers which is cool (laughs) um the king also calls Shawn michaels a mexican jumping bean yeah dude (laughs) and did you hear so they had miguel's bro (laughs) they had the slammy awards the previous night yeah they mentioned Uh, it a lot of times a lot of times they said it and Shawn won five slammies and then vince says uh, and I think he gave one to Jose Lothario and uh, 
Jerry Lawler without missing a beat goes, I wouldn't be surprised to find that in a pawn shop in Tijuana tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And Vince Vince just tells him to stop it. Oh, stop uh, it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Dude, straight man Vince. Vince was good at everything, man. He could be the straight man. He was a good announcer. He was a good heel. He was a good villain. I mean, oh, man. He is just a darling on the like he's the, a cocksucker in real life but he's a darling yeah. on camera the, the other big uh brett or the other big jerry lawler line that made me laugh is where he's so both sets of parents are there uh brett's parents are there and sean's parents are there oh yeah and uh they he says uh i think vince says Stu hart is here and uh Jerry Lawler goes, is Helen here? And he goes, well, I would assume she is. And he goes, no, she's not here. She walked into an antique store yesterday and they kept her. <laughs> it's like just the most hack joke that you could have, but it works for Jerry Lawler. Every joke he has, anytime you mention it, it's Stu Hart, it's just old jokes over and over and over again. He's, like he's, he's, he's a hack for those. And then he said, he said that, uh, that Stu Hart and Jose Lothario were going to have the first Jurassic Park match. <laughs> And he, then he said uh, 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 something. It ends up being uh, they're talking about how many kids Stu and Helen have, or like somebody has to stop. And then Jerry Lawler just goes, "Well, I think that they should have stopped before Brett." <laughs> <laughs> he is he is not impartial, and he's go and he's like completely fine with it. He doesn't care. There's very few things I like better than a heel announcer. Yeah. I just I just can't get over how much I love a heel wrestling announcer. Well, and Jerry Lawler's not like he later becomes a big time hack, but here he's still very good. Like, oh, does he uh, later become a big time hack? Yeah, it's like a, a big old caricature of himself. That but sucks. Yeah, he's, right dude, now he's, he's got he's some re- throughout what we've watched. Jerry Lawler has had some great lines. Uh, he, him. Obviously, we've talked about it a million times. Him, Bobby Heenan, uh, Jesse Ventura. We only saw Jesse Ventura on one show, but he's yeah. already up there with like the best wrestling heel announcers in the world. So. Uh, Lawler also keeps telling anytime one of the other guys is in a submission, he just is like, they should quit. They should quit right now. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, and anytime, anytime uh, Brett has any offense, Vince just keeps declaring him the victor. Basically, yeah. Vince is like, oh, that's going to be one point for Brett Hart or like, oh, Brett, one to zero Brett or Brett's going to win this right now. Or like every time he has any chance to win. Uh, well, there's that's a big uh, Vince McMahon thing is the one, two, three. No, it's like he yeah. goes for the pin. One, two, three. No, he kicked out at two. So, yeah. Just wait one second. Vince. I think what he likes to do is it blow it it puts people over if the odds are so bad that you can already assume that the other person is one and then they still overcome those odds i think that's his yeah. tactic but he does it a lot and it's funny yeah. um there's a, there's a spot in this where sean does the flare bump um where he hits the corner and he flips up but he and this this is pretty simple but i've never seen anybody i have i haven't seen this version of it yet i'm sure it was done a million times but so he hits his back on the pad and they usually flip over to the apron and then fall on the ground. Yeah. He hits his back on the pad. He flips up. So he's like straddling the corner and he's just sitting there. And then Brett gets up and puts him in and gets a suplex on him and, and flips him over. That's a sweet spot. That's yeah. Sweet I mean, run. Like, I, I don't want to make it sound like this match doesn't have anything cool in it. Like 
they're still even whenever they're just doing the the wrestling parts of it like everything is done with intention and there's I that think, major bump that he takes over the corner where he gets thrown 15 feet yeah. in there well and he does like about a half an hour into the into the match he does a giant dive off the corner in onto the floor that looked really really good yeah uh sean does to brett and uh then they start to like amp it up and brett just start he's kind of healing like he's kind of being a heel with about 20 minutes left he's just like uh, sean's going for finesse things now and brett's just beating the shit out of him every yeah. time that he can grab a hold of him he's got him by the hair and he's just punching him in the face mm-hmm. uh and that looks really good and sean throws some really good punches in this some of the best yeah. punches i've seen sean michaels throw uh he doesn't do the double foot stomp when he punches thing and i don't think i lose yeah. anything when he does when do, do do wrestlers still do that the stomp i think it's leg slaps now is more the thing. oh that's way better because yeah. that's what a punch sounds like. That's probably, I mean, that's probably another way that MMA has kind of changed the way professional wrestling works because you know a, a punch doesn't sound like fucking anymore. Like, <laughs> right. it's just a slap. It sounds like a slap to the face, basically. Yeah. Um, and then we, so also uh, Brett runs into Jose Lothario or no, he's, he, he backdrops Sean over the top and Sean lands on Jose Lothario yeah. and the crowd boos Brett big time for that part mm-hmm. uh and so brett's kind of playing into that brett hits a suicide dive and with about 15 minutes left they really like they turn it up and there's a lot of near falls mm-hmm. uh, yeah and this looked, was exciting this part was exciting yeah and they really grabbed the crowd uh after that and then uh brett does take the chest first bump again with about five minutes left uh like we talked about on his episode they they love that bump in stampede wrestling like and it looks vicious and you so know how much it, that it bump would really well. fuck me up you have a heart attack if you hit if that bump if you try oh to my that god <laughs> you, that's yeah. what you would hear and then i'd be i'd be done i'd never breathe again yeah you're uh i think i need very minimal oxygen like i've breathed yeah. enough to where i i can hold my breath for the next like 12 13 years yeah, I just, just don't have that much muscle, so it's all in there. It's fine. <laughs> One little drag in, that's like three weeks. <laughs> right. You're, you're like an Aquaman, some kind yeah. of Aquaman. Some some, uh, some sort of Aquaman. <laughs> so with about a minute left, uh, Brett gets Sean in the sharpshooter. Brett goes again, or Sean goes again for that top rope uh, dive, and, and Brett grabs him and locks the sharpshooter in. And that's like the last 30 seconds. And that's really exciting. Like the crowd is really up for it. And Vince is great calling it. And he's like, Sean's got to give up his back. Can't take it. You know, all of this yeah. stuff. And then the bell rings and we got a tie. And uh, in some, some wonderful storytelling, Brett just like fucks off. He fucks off <laughs> hard. He's just gone, he just, bro. Yeah, he, he grabs his belt as gorilla monsoon's getting in the ring. He's like, Nope. Ty goes no, to the champ. No way they overturn this. Gets up and yeah. leave. He's like Ty goes to the champion, and he he's leaving. And I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's my one of my favorite Bret Hart moments. Finkel gets on the announce uh, on the mic and announces uh, Gorilla Monsoon says that this match must continue. And Bret's in the aisleway, and he like stops, and he half turns around, and he goes. Why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, 60 minutes. 60 minutes. And he's, 
He's got the patented Bret Hart cottonmouth white spit all over his mouth yeah. the whole time. That's uh, Owen had that after the WrestleMania. Tournament. Yeah, That's yeah, and Sean just spits all over the place the whole time he wrestles. He's, yeah, he's half a headbanger. Yeah, uh, and so Bret like begrudgingly is like, "All right, well, fucking, I guess I'll go back." And he like tosses the belt as he's getting back in the ring. Uh, yeah, to start the overtime. I wish he would have tossed it with more anger. Like I. Yeah. I was envisioning myself in his shoes when that happened. And I was like, I hope he just throws the belt to the side and gets back in the ring. But he just like yeah. tosses it down. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, and so we get the overtime where uh, Sean is Sean's still messed up from the sharpshooter. So Brett starts working the back uh, and goes to throw Sean into the corner. And Sean uh, kips up over him and hits him with a super kick. But it's like a half a super kick. He didn't. Uh, he didn't like nail it. And it was really. It was really good though. Like it was. It was a cool spot. Like he. He. He like rushed it to get it to get it in because they they were they were in close proximity. He had to go quick. Like it was really cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and uh, Brett does really great selling off of that. And they're and they're like they're selling the fact that like nobody's gotten up from the uh, from a super kick before. And they haven't uh, like, and he might beat Shawn Michaels to his feet because of how exhausted Shawn is. And then Shawn gets in the corner and hits another uh, sweet chain music full on and pins Shawn or pins Bret Hart to win the WWF title for the first time in one hour, one minute and 56 seconds to win the Iron Man match one fall to zero. And this match got four and a quarter star. Oh, nice. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like, an Iron Man match is a difficult match to have. Yeah. If you put together, like, a, if you cut up the best 30 minutes of this match, it's pretty damn awesome. I mean, it's, there's yeah. just, it's just an hour long, man. Like, you yeah. can't have an hour long of top shelf exciting wrestling. Like, anybody listening out there, if you know of what's the best one hour long match that you know of if you send it in i'll think about watching it <laughs> well if we do the 1989 nwa retrospective that we're uh talking about doing there is a long rick flair versus ricky steamboat match uh that i don't i don't rem- it goes to a time limit i think it might be an hour okay um and that's that's a five star there's a lot of people that uh, consider really. That. Yeah, I want to. Ha- I want to see the best version of this shit. Flair has like all kinds of 45 minute draws, hour long draws mm-hmm. that like that. That's sort of what he built his uh, his career off of. Is well, the- also his shoes costing more than your house. <laughs> it's true. He lives on the big side of town in the biggest house, <laughs> but. <laughs> see that's the part of flair that i'll never say i don't like like i just don't understand the screaming that he did in the late 90s like the but the i my uh what is it that what you always tell me about the the expensive jacket and he's like i got 25 Uh, of them (laughs) oh oh, the robes robes. uh, yeah these are pretty nice right but at five grand a pop it's a little difficult for the for everybody to have one i have 10 Uh, I, dude, I love it so much. Yeah. These these shoes cost more than your house. 
<laughs> yeah i've got the biggest i've got uh i've got the biggest house on the biggest hill in the biggest part of town <laughs> i gotta see I, I i gotta see some of that i because i want i want to start liking the old rick flair i'm probably never gonna like the new rick flair but i yeah. i, uh, I want to start liking liking the old one yeah the uh the 80s flair is a <laughs> It's quite it's quite the guy. So after this match, Sean, of course, celebrates in the ring and Brett leaves and they're following Brett up the aisle way and he is pissed uh, that he just got beat. And they were kind of working at an angle here because they know there's going to be a return match uh, later on. And so they're working sort of a Brett is pissed at Sean, but apparently it was supposed to it's supposed to be a work at that point. And as we know, uh, things go awry, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not all uh, sunshine and rainbows. Apparently, Sean told the referee to tell Brett to get the fuck out of the ring, uh, <laughs> so that he could celebrate. I don't know. Uh, that's the Bret Hart side. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, tell him to get the fuck out of the ring. Was this the first time that Sean, this is the first time that Sean beat him? Yes, and this is uh, this is actually well in pay per view matches. Sean's two and zero against Brett. Brett never got his win back. <laughs> so, Dude, just the just heartbreaking story. Yeah, of uh, Brett. Sean lost his smile, so he didn't have to do the job to Brett at WrestleMania thirteen. You can't wrestle him without a smile. No. What am I gonna my- do? My knees fucked up. I got no smile. My knees maybe not as fucked up as I said it was. But the smile thing's true. Yeah, <laughs> definitely been doing a lot of pills, uh, <laughs> and my smile is gone. I want, we should make that comedy sketch where he's like, "I I definitely have uh, been doing a lot of pills. <laughs> I." been doing a lot of pills i've been banging sunny yeah i uh have been telling everyone to suck it i do not wish to lose to you i just keep getting beat up by marines yeah <laughs> they just keep whipping my ass just uh, just full uh <laughs> full troops what is what is it called uh, brigades brigade. yeah just yeah. A, i got beat by a whole faction <laughs> yeah you know how like the doa is like a whole group of guys <laughs> imagine that but if it were marines uh so i like this match quite a bit it does take some time to get going uh if you have an hour i would say watch it uh but you can maybe fast forward the first 20 minutes of it but who has an hour nowadays you know what i mean uh i watched it on a treadmill this very morning so you oh know. really multitask yeah. i watched it on my bed and i made a meme <laughs> <laughs> nice so uh that does it for brett versus sean uh in my estimation i think i i love watching bret hart wrestle mm-hmm. um but i think that sean michaels is the more complete package of mm-hmm. the two wrestlers um but you can you can put in a hat either of these guys matches and i'd be delighted to watch either one like yeah it's uh, hair splitting for sure no matter neither no matter who either of us pick like we both know that these are one percenters of the one percenters talent you know what i mean yeah but i think i have to go with sean just as an overall package i enjoy uh his matches more i think but watching this again just like bret hart is such a tactician 
and I, uh, but I think his matches hit mostly the same like emotional notes for me. Whereas the Sean matches have a little more of a roller coaster appeal, okay. and I like that. And I like that better. I yeah, I, I personally, I think is no surprise. I, I personally, I think I'm a Brett guy. Uh, yeah, I, which is the, the so it's it, it even surprises me because I'm super. I, I'm the I love promos. I love uh, the the drama. I love the extracurriculars, the backstage stuff. I love the cockiness. I love the pomp and circumstance. I love the fucking you have a suit made of mirrors and you have a girl yeah. carry a mirror to the ring with you and you sing your own theme song and it's about you being sexy and like so it would be a slam dunk for me to appreciate Sean more, but. I just I, I in terms of I just like re- I, I like Brett's wrestling so much more like I, I like well I like Brett's wrestling so much I can't say I like it like a lot more than I like Sean's wrestling because Sean's wrestling is phenomenal like I'm never going to be like oh man is Sean Michaels match like he's definitely g- genuinely one of my favorite wrestlers ever Sean Michaels yeah. so we're talking about two of the greats but I just I think Brett should be the prototype for modern professional wrestling. I think that if more people paid attention to him more heavily, if people paid attention to him more heavily than they do a lot of the Sean stuff, pro wrestling would be better now than it is. Um, and I'm not saying pro, pro wrestling bad now. I just think that's it would have created a better in-ring product than what we have right now um and i think the best wrestlers in the world that we point to as we talked about earlier like when we talk about the best wrestlers in the world we talk about the guys that look a lot more like brett uh, yeah. when they're in ring um but if i'm being honest neither of these guys were great on the mic uh sean was okay like uh, sean was better in the ring on the mic like when he was talking to the whole crowd and he had a microphone, but neither of them are very good backstage or like pre-cut promos or any of that stuff. Um, yeah. which... Except, except for Brett 97, I make an amendment for uh, with the heel US versus Hart. Canada stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Heel I, I, Bret I Hart is, is he, he somehow found the rhythm mm-hmm. as heel Bret Hart. Cause I think he believed a lot of the shit he was saying. Well, I think that's the thing is Brett, truly believes in wrestling that he's the best pro wrestler and i will say like for brett the matches have uh are often entertaining in a different way because like he was very focused on i want to have different finishes and i want stuff to come out of nowhere and i don't want to just put the sharpshooter on everybody and beat them in my big matches sean a lot of it is i'm gonna hit the super kick at the end of this thing and that's how i'm gonna win but the way that you get there you know like they're both exemplary uh sellers like oh yeah for sure i think brett his fate like the way that he uses his face to emote mm-hmm. sells is better than sean i think that they're probably comparable in the way that they use their body to sell yeah. um so i give brett the advantage in selling i think sean michaels we Shawn Michaels is a heel uh, wrestler. I think is better because of the bumping ability that he had. Brett mm-hmm. didn't really. It wasn't the. It wasn't a pinball style 
for him. Like yeah. even in the matches with uh, against the Undertaker or against Austin that we saw where he was a heel, he get, he gets beat up. But now you want to see him get beat up, as opposed to empathizing with him getting beat up. Yeah, you know. And with uh, using the ropes, Sean was better. Even though Brett yeah. was good, Brett was surprisingly good at the well, not surprisingly, but he was. He was good at the ropes considering he trained his whole life in a place that didn't have ropes. Uh, yeah. he, he was, he was really good at using them, but Sean was like maybe the best I've ever seen at using the ropes in terms of like getting stuck in the ropes or falling on the ropes and falling in a, in a, in a aesthetically pleasing way. Let's, yeah. let's put it that way or getting stuck in like getting, like we said, getting, getting stuck in them, jumping off of them. He was able to use the ropes really well and the, the outside of the ring really well. Um, yeah. They were both very creative um in completely different ways uh sean always found creative ways to do something crazy like fall or 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 throw somebody or something like that brett always found creative ways to um get around somebody's finisher or to uh outsmart somebody like stinking tying diesel to the post in the corner and stuff like that right so in creativity i don't know if i give either of them an edge which i thought after watching after we did the brett hart matches i thought for sure brett was going to be the more creative guy yeah but the more that i watch sean and the way that he creatively creatively uses his body and he has like creative danger almost you know what i mean yeah i think it's a pretty much a toss-up between the two i think overall uh these are two of the more creative guys i've seen and that's actually something that i and I think everybody is probably unanimous uh, appreciate about a wrestler is how do you make your shit look different than everybody yeah. else's shit? Because if you take the average wrestler, you you average everything up and you just do an average wrestling match. That's a, such a flaccid, like nobody cares about it. That's like worst case scenario. That's worse than a bad wrestling match than a really bad one. Cause at least a really bad one makes the crowd mad, but like an average one, you're like, who, like, why am I even here? What am I doing? What is Baron Corbin doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, but when you, it's, it's really important to be able to be creative and do something different and, and think of a different way to get out of this certain move or a different way to do this certain move or a different spot you can do off of this apparatus or this ladder or whatever. And these guys yeah. are two of the best I've literally ever seen at that. Yeah. Well, and I think to your point, I think more people were affected more people want to be Shawn Michaels than want to be Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, see why. Totally. I mean, right. But I think that the path to being Bret Hart, not that it's easier, but more guys could be Bret Hart than could be Shawn Michaels because mm-hmm. the extra bit for Shawn Michaels is like he was crazy athletic and he was crazy talented and he still had really good basics like in none of these matches is he doing like uh, just tons of spots he's not on the top rope all the time he's not jumping off of it onto people like there's there's sequences in between that link the big spots that are wrestling based so like uh, yeah i think more people i think intellectually probably appreciate bret hart but want to be Shawn michaels yeah and I, I think that's a great point with the and that actually almost swayed me when I was watching these is 
I was like, at first, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, their their first, especially their first couple of matches, but I think all the matches were more Bret Hart matches than they were Shawn Michaels matches. And that almost swayed me to be like, maybe Shawn is the more talented guy because Shawn can do what Bret does, but I don't think Bret can do what Shawn does. But that's a lot of that's God-given stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was very, it made me really appreciate Sean that he does what he does. Um, and he, and like we said, it's not egregious, but he does what he does. And he does the acrobatics. He does the, the dangerous stuff. He does the choreographed stuff, but he can also, if you tell him to wrestle Bret Hart or wrestle like Bret Hart even, and have a match like that, he can do it pretty damn well. Like, I don't know if he's going to be able to be, do it as, proficiently as brett in terms of like being able to uh to because brett's the best at what brett does you know so i it it would be crazy if sean could be as good as brett at what brett does but he he can do what brett does but you're not gonna have brett do what sean michaels does so that for a while for a little bit i was like man do i have to pick sean michaels in this but we're going personal preference i prefer the brett stuff well and brett has his own adaptability like Mm -hmm. brett Brett doesn't wrestle the same match against Diesel that he wrestled against Kurt Henning. Yeah. Or he doesn't, you know, like absolutely and the, in the same way that like Shawn Michaels amped it up to wrestle mankind or to mm-hmm. versus wrestling Marty Janetti or whatever the case may be. You know, like both guys have adaptability and both guys have places that they can go. I don't, but I also don't want to see Bret Hart trying to do a moonsault. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Who for cares? Him. You know what I mean? Right. Like, how amazing was what he did? You know, it, yeah. what he did was fucking awesome. Why do we need to add things to that? And it's the same thing yeah. to Sean. Like, we don't need him to neuter what he does. I, if I had to flip a switch and have Sean wrestle like Brett, I would never do that. Right. Like, it's way better that we had Sean Michaels the way he was um, because he's fucking phenomenal. And one of these days, we have to do the second half of his career. We have to do the comeback. Yeah. Oh, because there, there's matches with Kurt Angle that he has that are insane. Yeah. Which is, I mean, and Kurt Angle's a good analog to Bret Hart. I mm-hmm. feel like because of the just technical I mean, guy and all that. Yeah, and Sean does more than hang with Kurt Angle. Like, it's great. And the whole second half of Shawn Michaels' career, where he's a little older, he's a little wiser, he picks his spots better, and he's also grown in the psychology of what he does as a wrestler. Yeah, M- makes him so much better. Yeah, and I, that's what I keep hearing is is how much, like he was even better when he came back, which is crazy because he was so good with, yeah. in what we're watching. So I'm like really antsy because maybe that'll turn me because Brett didn't come back and be a completely evolved, different new guy. Yeah. I mean, Brett was Brett's older than Sean, um, yeah. so it's kind of unfair to expect him to come back and do the same things, especially given what happened. Um, I know you didn't want to talk about the screw job anymore, but uh, <laughs> what's he? He's not. He went to WCW. It didn't work out. WCW fucking sucked. And yeah. so do all their fans. So if you like WCW, go fuck yourself. Um, I'm just kidding, by the way. <laughs> but uh, WCW was not right for Bret Hart and it wasn't going to work. So, like, what was he going to go back to the place that screwed him? Or, yeah. like, is he going to go to Japan? Or, like, you know what I mean? So, like, that sucks yeah. that we didn't get to see that. But I suspect not much would have changed. He wouldn't have, like, he wouldn't have evolved that much um, because he was, I mean, pretty damn evolved yeah. at the time that we watched him. So, well, and he wouldn't have needed to, unless he could come back 
like say he came back from the Goldberg injury because mm-hmm. that's that's what happened to Sean. Oh, I forgot. Sean, yeah, I forgot about the injury. Like Sean came back because and his back was in bad shape. Yeah, and so he comes back and he's got to wrestle a smarter style because mm-hmm. he can't do all the crazy stuff that he used to do, and so he had to you know amend that style. And he was older, and it was a different time. Like the, the being the most athletic guy had passed him. Yeah, you know. And so, what what can he do best? You know, like his he had matches with Jericho that were great. Where like Jericho is the new Er Shawn Michaels at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, and so now Shawn is the elder statesman. He's in the Bret Hart role, and so. Uh, like it's just interesting. And so if Brett had hurt his knee and had to come back and adapt a style to protect like the injury, I think yeah. Brett could have done it. It just, you never get the chance because he doesn't get to come back from being hurt. And it's probably honestly not as good as what Sean did uh, because Sean had all that crazy athleticism and stuff before. So when you take away his knee, he can go, he's probably about as athletic as Brett at that point. <laughs> so like yeah, if you or, take Brett's knee, he's moving like fucking Vader, you know? Right. So, <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think I'm, I mean, it's all opinion. So neither of us are wrong, yeah, but for like, sure. it's, it is, it is splitting hairs. It's less than one, a one B is like uh, tomorrow. I might be like, Oh, Brett Hart's the fucking best wrestler. Whoever. I can, I completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. And, and that's, that's why like, I'm glad we did this. Like I know, um, it would be fun if we had a big argument about it. And, you know, Dusty and I will argue on the podcast at some point. We haven't yet, but we will at some point. But we're going to do it when we actually, like, disagree. <laughs> so, like, yeah. uh, and, and are, like, s- sure about it. And it's going to be hard for me to have a staunch opinion against the guy who's been watching wrestling his whole goddamn life. So, like, when we, if, if he are, disagrees with something the Idell Wrestling Federation does, then I'll take him to court um, or, I'll right. be, or I'll beat him up either way. Um, you can take him to task for that. I'll, I'll throw you into that turnbuckle, dude. You'll be taking that Bret Hart ball. Well, you got to do that to me, brother. I'll be talking like, oh, brother. No, I know why you talk like that, man. All right. Um, I do have some supplemental material that I put okay. together. Um, okay. But. I need one second to find my piece of paper. So okay. I'm going right to, I'm going to pause the recording yeah. and uh, we'll be right back. So Dusty's uh, supplemental material was where it belonged is <laughs> in the fucking garbage. I, I came home right next to your personality. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I came home and I was getting everything ready. I think I might've been too hyped about the Bret Hart glasses. <laughs> What is this? And, no, fuck it. <laughs> right in the trash. Yeah. And I was like, I, I was looking everywhere. I was like, okay, I came here and then I went over there and then I went and did this. And I was like, did I throw the, did I throw it in the, why did I throw it in the trash? And then I, there's no way it's in the trash. Open yeah. the trash can right at Wrong. the top. Yep. <laughs> so anticlimactic now, but yep. uh, okay. So the Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels ladder match took place on July 21st, 1992. Uh, That that week, the number one movie in America, Batman Returns, dude. Hell yeah, dude. It's the one with the the, uh, penguin? Yeah, with Danny DeVito penguin. He just wants to to be the mayor. I know. And he's definitely a human. Just (laughs) most most certainly a human. Um, In... So, uh, for the SummerSlam podcast, we covered 
uh, the number one album, Billy Ray Cyrus, Some Gave All, the mm-hmm. achy breaky heart spawning album from uh from Billy Ray Cyrus. But it was it was actually the summer of butt because the number one song maybe got back by Sir Mix a lot. We can't we can't make that then we can't make that the number one song for that long, man. Jesus Dude, Christ. It was the number I think it was number one for like four weeks. Also, deceptively hard karaoke song, the baby got back. Uh Sir Mix a lot good at rapping for all the <laughs> for all the rest of whatever you may say. He is uh he is a pretty good rapper. So yeah, don't do that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh no, I never did it. A lot of uh drunk uh people. Yeah, like a, a 45 year old white woman with, with with like a slightly dirty shirt she, with her friends up there it's her and her friends all laughing their big old never mind shaking their butts i was gonna yeah make it all making a mockery of karaoke while i'm in the back angry because i won't yeah. get to do i'm trying to kid. do don't look back in anger <laughs> yeah and i'm trying not to be angry and yet here we are uh try not I mean, to put my life in the hands of a rock and roll band <laughs> so for the november 25th 1992 the survivor series match number one movie uh it's a sequel andrew he's it's been the mighty ducks <laughs> no but you're close <laughs> okay he, he previously lost his family and wouldn't you know two times it's happened except now he's in the big city Home Alone oh, two. Joe Dirt too. <laughs> Home Alone two lost in New York. The Sticky Bandits. Oh, dude! Uh, America's Sweetheart was in that movie. The... Joe Pesci? No, former President Donald Trump was oh. in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, who else for, you think? For about one second, he was in it. Yeah. Um, Daniel Stern. It made thirty-one million dollars that weekend. It deserved every uh, bit of them. Oh, Tim Curry's in that movie. <laughs> and you know what else that means? Mm. Tim Curry monkey. Tim Curry <laughs> monkey. In, I I don't know that we've talked about no, this. Uh, on the- everybody out there, there's a monkey that looks like Tim Curry. And Dusty and I reference him every time we talk about Tim Curry. <laughs> it's so funny. That <laughs> monkey really looks funny. so much like Tim <laughs> Curry. exactly like Tim Curry. <laughs> it's not my fault. Uh, I'm trying to explain our in jokes, so we're not just saying. Yeah, them. yeah. Tim Curry monkey. So Tim Curry monkey. <laughs> the number one album is a Michael Bolton covers album. Fuck yeah! <laughs> called Timeless Classics. <laughs> uh, I bet they were time full. <laughs> it's got a time is up. Michael it's Bolton. got it's got a cover <laughs> of Yesterday, I think, by the Beatles on it. I was gonna, I was oh, gonna man. try to, I was gonna listen to it for the podcast, and then I thought, even for the podcast, that's too much for me. Uh, <laughs> I got other, I got other stuff to do. Yeah, uh, and so I didn't give it a listen. It's possible that it was good, but I, I, I highly doubt it. Um, <laughs> I want to hear it. Like, we should get a job being a critic for something, uh, uh-huh. just so. Like once we were established and shit, one of our times we go, it's possible that it was good, <laughs> but, <laughs> but probably, probably not. not. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a cover of Yesterday and Bring It On Home to Me by Sam Cooke. 
Oh, shit. I will be singing that at karaoke sometime soon. Well, at open <laughs> and, mic, not karaoke. Yeah. We're a and, little classier in karaoke. You know what I mean? Uh, Drift Away, which I imagine is the uh, Give Me the Beat Boy song. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm not sure I, if that's it, but. This is the funny thing. Yeah. I don't know what Michael Bolton's voice sounds like, but I can picture it. You know what I mean? You never listened to that Lonely Island song that he was on? No. See, one of these days, uh-huh. you are going to just assume that I haven't heard the Lonely Island thing that you're talking about because I only know like I'm on a boat <laughs> and the, the I, boss song, whatever yeah. it's called. I Look, do yourself a favor. <laughs> I know. I know. Listen to the Lonely Island, you sack of shit. Listen, I, I, I might. <laughs> It's, I, 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 it's possible that it's good, <laughs> <laughs> but I doubt it. <laughs> no, I bet. It, I bet it's good. I like Samberg. Yeah. I like those other two dorks, but uh, I don't, I, I don't listen to funny music like except anymore. Weird Al. except weird out. Like he's grandfathered yeah. in, but like, yeah. or, and Bo Burnham, but that's kind of different. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like a boss. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't fucking care about that song, you know? Yeah. <laughs> On a boat, pretty good though. T Pain, T Pain fucked a mermaid, dude. I like, I liked it when I heard it. And then, uh, uh, isn't Dick in a Box them? Yes, with with uh, Timberlake. Yeah. All right, man. You know what I mean? You yeah. you put your junk in that box. <laughs> like, yeah. That's funny. It's you possible. Got it's a good. hole in the box. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's possible. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so and the number one song, I look. You're all over the place, so I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> this is a song called "How Do You Talk to an Angel" by from it was the theme of the American TV series The Heights. I have no idea what this is. I don't. I don't think I know that one. I I, I have to listen to it, but um, yeah. I you know what you, know, <laughs> you want me to share my sound and we'll listen to it. Please, together? please do. All right, here we go. Share screen, advanced computer audio. What's this song called? How to Talk to an Angel? How do you talk to an angel? How do you talk to an angel? Let me holler at you, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's by it's by the Heights, right? Yeah, it's from the Heights, I guess. Okay, let me... If an ad starts playing, I apologize. Oh, nope, not an ad. This sounds from Oh, is this the angel? No, that's not what it is. No. <laughs> oh, that's live, dude. That's live. In my mind, I know her face by heart. Heaven on earth. I gotta hear the hook. I need the chorus, yeah. Yeah, I gotta hear the hook. I don't know where to start. It's gotta be coming right here. Yeah. Ooh, I like that bass. This is the number one song. <laughs> number one. Okay. Oh, I do know this song. This is the number one song. <laughs> yeah. I already know it. Yeah. Yeah, not my thing, but yeah, cool. How do you talk to an angel? It's like trying to 
catch a falling star the fuck out of here dude <laughs> right. so this song reached number one on the November guy singing 14th. that looks like you think he does too so. yeah. the it reached number one on it's like a hayden uh, christensen <laughs> november 14th 1992 but the series was canceled one week after the song fell from number one position <laughs> oh so, uh yeah it's it's possible it's not possible that that's good i listened to it yeah it's not good nope not here for it so that moves us to march 31st 1996 the week of an iron man match it's possible that young dusty well it's not possible young dusty did not see the number one movie the birdcage uh, that weekend oh. I've, I've never seen the birdcage i hear it's very good i just haven't ever got around to watching it uh, it sounds like a thing that i would want to watch robin williams i hear is fantastic in it yeah it seems like your thing i've never seen it <laughs> uh it made 10 million dollars that weekend so fucking and it awesome, was like awesome mustache on fucking <laughs> yeah. uh robin williams and bonus nathan lane yeah. delightful i love uh, nathan lane it spent like four weeks at number one so uh i did however well not when i was 12 i actually didn't see any of this stuff when i was 12 it would have been way more awesome uh the number one album jagged little pill Alanis oh yeah you ought to i am sure that's good yeah i i've i've heard it it's good it's good from front to back i think she yeah. was like 19 when she made that record by the way yeah and she I, so good did you maybe we talked about this before Dave Navarro and Flea play on you ought to know and the drummer you know who the drummer of you ought to know is he's the drummer in the video he didn't record the song oh he didn't record it he's just no he's um, she was in Taylor Hawkins from Taylor the Hawkins from the band, yeah. was in her band so the live version of it must have been awesome but like hand in my pocket ironic uh and you ought to know yeah are all on that album yeah, and th- that thing bangs from front to back. The whole album is so good. I listened to it like because I knew those those songs. Uh, yeah, and you want to know is one of my favorite songs ever. Um, it it goes anytime at any time of year. You oh, want to know is right there. It's a knee buck knee buckler. It's a genuine yeah. knee buckler, and she. Uh, but I listened to it like a year or two ago from like all the way through, like while I was yeah. driving and I was expecting like, Oh, I'm just going to get a taste. Everybody says it's a good album. I'm going to get a taste of it and see like, you know what the other like non you ought to know ironic hand in my pocket songs are. Yeah. You can't turn it off. Dusty. No, that whole, that whole record bangs. Like, yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. So, it's so good. What I like to do, what I would recommend uh, possibly to the listener is a double uh, an A side, B side of "You Ought to Know," and then "Criminal" by Fiona Apple, which is also uh, like that. Okay. That song, yeah, fucking rules. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and Fiona Apple rules. If you have not, uh, not you particularly, You're but fine. you, the royal you, have not dived into the Fiona Apple uh, discography, she's fantastic. Like her stuff's so good. Yeah, yeah, she's phenomenal. Uh, so Andy McDowell and Alanis Morissette are my '90s heartthrobs. By the way, okay, <laughs> they are, see that they are just uh, I. If I could marry any woman 
ever. Yeah. It would be Annie McDowell, probably. Uh, based on aesthetic and what I feel like she's like when she was young. I don't know. She could have been yeah. the worst person in the world, but she's, oh, uh, she seems awesome. And she's she I, I just I, I love I love the woman. <laughs> also, my triumvirate of 90s angsty lady singers, uh, Alanis Morissette. Uh, Fiona, Fiona Apple. Apple and because uh, Sarah is super into her Tori Amos. Oh, shit. Is, OK, yeah. Um, Little Earthquakes mm-hmm. is as good at, at the very least as good as Jagged Little Pill. Like mm-hmm. that album's so good. And then like uh, the one that Cornflake Girls on is fantastic. They just all of them are great. Another and, another 90s female singer, uh, Kay Hanley, Letters to Cleo. I fucking love. Letters oh, to yeah. Cleo. Um, that, but. Uh, Fiona Apple put out an album in 2020 called Fetch the Bolt Cutters. That was my favorite album of 2020. Uh, if anybody cares at all what I think about that kind of stuff, uh, it's fantastic. Giant Little Pill has Hand Over Feet on it also, which I forgot about. That song rules. Uh, right Through You is also another great song. Anyway, listen listen to uh, Alanis and Fiona and Tori and uh, think about 1996. So the oh on vhs we've got two movies that i'm sure you've seen and two movies that i am a hundred percent guarantee you have never seen listen you're probably right mall rats was released the week of wrestlemania 12 fucking a you dumb bastard scooter is a sailboat (laughs) stupid head uh (laughs) you know what there is no easter bunny uh seven also released oh so seven in yeah i like that yeah it's a seven in uh some movie called last of the dogmen oh dude you haven't seen i'm just kidding no i haven't seen last (laughs) uh and jade which is supposed to be kind of like a basic instinct like thriller kind of thing uh which i've heard people talk about being bad like one of the notoriously bad movies but i've never seen it i very much have not seen jade oh chaz <laughs> palmentary's in it though and i love yeah. him if i dude if being the person i am now like all of these things are fitting together like jack little pill mall rats seven wrestlemania 12 all happening in one week that's that's a big that's a big week for me yeah, yeah. yeah that is a pretty good week my i grew up with like <sighs> Titanic and 9-11. Those are like the two things that happened in my life. <laughs> two big things. Yeah. Uh, and the number one song is a song by Celine Dion called Because You Loved Me. But I don't know that song. So You want to listen to it? I, I would love to. All right. Listen you, to you it. know why? It's possible that it's good. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, Celine she, Dion, low-key bangers. I mean, she could sing like a song dude, bitch. But... That girl's got some fucking pipes. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you say it. She's got pole wipes. Uh, uh-huh. Here we go. Listen, if you're not entertained by this, fucking, you know. Sorry. Us <laughs> <laughs> just listening to random <laughs> songs from the era. Oh, I know this song. The one where she says, like, you were the eyes when I... Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I know this one. 
Hold on, I'm just waiting for the hook. God damn it. <laughs> Dude, sing the hook. You Canadian bastard. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. This song is pretty big. Yeah. Better than whatever that talk to an angel horseshit was. Yeah, yeah. 96 had it right. Listen to this. Oh, she hits a high note right there uh, later on in the song. Yeah, and this, anyway. when they bring the chorus back. So uh, that song was written by Diane Warren, who also wrote if I could turn back time by Cher. Goddamn. Uh, How do I live by Leanne Rhymes, which okay. <laughs> uh, you might think is the biggest song of all time, but no, she also wrote I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. Goddamn. Christ. Dion, uh, Diane Warwick? Is that what you said her name? No, <laughs> no Diane Warren. Dion Warwick's a singer. That's, <laughs> one, that's probably what threw me off. I guess. <laughs> Diane Warren. Yeah, she's uh, and she also wrote Rhythm of the Night. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Warren's career was jumpstarted in 1985 when she wrote Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge. DeBarge yeah. is the funniest name for some reason. Uh, She's yeah, she's written hit songs for cheap trick like the area where of Michael W. Smith. Goddamn. Yeah. Her songs have been covered she didn't write by fucking colored people by. Uh, DC Talk, did she? <laughs> she's uh, yeah. So I mean, good for her, man. Yeah, I um, mean, she's oh man, she's been nominated for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve Oscars, and she's won zero of them. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to be nominated. I guess she was nominated in 90, 98. This this looks like uh, Shawn Michaels, like the match of the year, <laughs> match of the years award. Yeah. She was nominated in 88, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2002. Good run. 2015, 2016, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, and she oh, lost everything. And year. losers on all of them. Ooh. <laughs> that Yikes. fucking sucks. Uh, last bit Suck of trivia, it, Diane. Because <laughs> I was able, I'm sure she's sleeping on her pile of money from I don't want to miss a thing. So she's she's, she's crying with her money, like in Dumb and Dumber when they're watching that fucking Pacific Bell commercial. <laughs> um, last little bit, just because we're both Simpsons nerds. Um, yeah. The Survivor Series 1992, the weekend of that, you got to see for the first time uh, Mr. Plow. That's his name. That name that again? Name it's Mr. Mr. Plow. Plow. That episode is so good. I, I watched it again within a yeah. year. I can't remember when it was, but that is a really, really, really funny episode. I'm the Plow King, Barney. <laughs> yeah. There, and then who who sings Barney's jingle? It's, I I can't even remember like the jokes. I just remember there were a couple of jokes that I I was watching it and I was like, I didn't remember that joke. That's one of the funniest Simpsons jokes I've ever seen. And I I, yeah. I just I need to go back and watch that again. But watch the I, for, I forget who the collaborator is with Barney, but they're like, is that uh like Dolly Parton or whatever? And he's like, Yeah, we've been trying to find a project for a while. Oh yeah, that's what it is. We're <laughs> Linda Rodstadt. It's Linda, Linda Rodstadt. Yeah. We've been trying to find something to collaborate on for a while. Yeah, there's the Mr. Plow oh. thing. Uh oh, and it is actually Linda Rodstadt. 
by the way. That's fantastic. And then the episode uh, that aired the man, March 31st, 1996, that week was nailing it. This is an underrated uh, Simpsons episode to me. It's Bart on the road where Bart was... gets a fake driver's license <laughs> and him and Milhouse and Martin and Nelson go on a road trip. They want to go to the World's Fair. Isn't that what they do? Yeah. Yeah, they go to the World's Fair, but it's the 1982 World's Fair. <laughs> yeah. And so they show up and the, it's just a ghost town. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that episode is really funny. I haven't seen that one in a long time. That's That, that was a really good episode. <laughs> but that so uh, I'm glad that I fished those things out of the trash because uh, more content. But uh, that does it for this episode and for this series um which i really enjoyed nice to have some good wrestling to watch for a change and to get to see two of the two of the goats it was a great palate cleanse after all the horseshit we've watched over the past few months um yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really glad we did it. it it gave me a lot of historical context about two of the best guys that we've ever seen so um i i i definitely know a lot more just having watched these 15 matches that we watched so um do you have an idea what we're gonna do next are we gonna yeah well i had uh a couple of ideas Mm -hmm. so i think what i might want to do is present to you uh just a one-off because we've talked so much about how much we've enjoyed bobby heenan Mm -hmm. in this uh in this era and royal rumble 1992 is often considered the best commentary job ever done by anyone in pro wrestling history. And it's Bobby Heenan commentating the 1992 Royal Rumble where Ric Flair comes in at number three. Okay. And wrestle and has to wrestle and the winner becomes the WWF champion. 1992. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. So it's January, 1992 and it's Bobby Heenan just given the performance of a lifetime in the Royal Rumble. Um, and it's a pretty fun, well, it's not a, it's not a particularly great show in the undercard, but the Royal rumble, that Royal rumble is often considered the best Royal rumble, at least for many years. I think that's a great idea. (laughs) It's got got tons of stars and just Heenan is it's him and gorilla monsoon and monsoon keeps reminding, uh, Bobby Heenan that no one who's ever come in at number three has ever won the Royal rumble and just, just needling. Yeah, uh, Bobby Heenan. The the I won't. I can only think of one joke, and I won't spoil anything. But there's a part where Piper comes in and he's fighting Flair, and he's like, "Get away from him, you skirt wearing freak!" And then <laughs> he helps Flair do something, and he goes, uh, "Piper, it's not a skirt; it's a kilt. It's great." <laughs> the, and like he just it's great. Yeah, and then, he just flips on him. Yeah, and then he turns on Flair again, and he goes, "You." skirt you know good skirt wearing scumbag it's so it's so good the entire thing so i think a one-off bobby heenan appreciation uh of royal rumble 1992 would be pretty fun and the show has like some nonsense on it as well that could be fun oh, uh, i'm totally on board that's i i i feel like it's a great idea uh yeah. is I'm, is there is there an ultimate warrior in 1992 there is not January 1992 does not have the warrior. Okay. Um, we've got Hogan, uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Jake the Snake, Luger. Uh, no, no Luger yet. Oh shit! Um, I thought Luger was in WWF at that time. Undertaker is in this Royal Rumble. 
uh, Sid Justice, who just recently debuted, is in this Royal Rumble. How many different things is he going to call himself? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, they called him Sid Justice because <laughs> in WCW he was Sid Vicious. You see, <laughs> I know, I know. so they did he a was turnabout. Psycho Sid. Yeah, uh, the Beverly Brothers wrestle the Natural Disasters. They should call him Sid Fullis. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Legion of Doom is on this show. Hell yeah, fucking a. Uh, <laughs> Idell Wrestling Federation uh, wrestlers <laughs> union head chairs. Yeah, <laughs> Legion leaders. of Doom. Uh, they're wrestling the natural disasters. Uh, I believe, and that is be- earthquake and typhoon. <laughs> typhoon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I think that it would be fun I to do that, idea. and then while we're when we watch that one, we can come up with what we want to do okay. for the next big. Because we do have some good ideas, and I, th- I think no matter what we do, it's going to be good, but uh, in yeah. terms of uh, what you've come up with. So, uh, yeah. So next week, uh, exciting week, join us for Bobby Heenan Appreciation Week. Um, I'll probably have some fun on social media with that, too. Uh, yeah. find, find some Bobby Heenan cool pictures. Maybe you can find some cool Bobby Heenan moments for us and uh just i i I would like to celebrate the man if we're gonna do it so uh yeah tune in next week that should be great and there's probably gonna be a lot of us repeating bobby heenan jokes which is gonna be uh wonderful so yeah so uh yeah join us next week because kayfabe is dead but we're alive watching royal rumble 92 in our unofficial bobby heenan appreciation week